please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Good evening, Jim. Good evening, David. I'm bringing back. Uh, I'm bringing us back old school tonight. That is the that go. is the goal here. Uh, it's been an interesting. I I actually didn't get the last episode out yet. Uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks since the last episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of shit's going on. I bought it. You know, I bought the couch. The couch is back there. Um, oh yeah, that's nice. I I have a piece of furniture coming. Doesn't surprise me. It's it's that time of year, you know? So first thing I want to show for the what's new. This is the coolest thing. This is the coolest thing I have ever had for a what's new. Uh, These came in. Oh, I want to order one. Yeah, I know we're not selling, but I'll send you one. Yeah. So my address. There's the back. Nice. There's the front. Yeah. Okay. Um, And. Because people have been asking, did you get a printed CD as well? Hell yes, we did. Um, Hell yeah. So I've got 50 of them uh, sitting next to me. But now Uh, you have 49. I actually have 48, (laughs) I think, now. uh, Because I think, so 47 if you count that one. Um, But uh, it's been a long road, man, to get here. I got to admit, like, I (laughs) this is the first time I've actually professionally printed a CD. Um, and just a little, I was a little like, the hell is this going to look like when it shows up? And I opened it and I was like, yeah, it looks just like I thought it would. All right, great. I was very, very happy with myself, but I'm also in the same, I I took a moment and I was like, it's been a long time getting here. Been a long, and not just the last year working with this band, but like, right. Thinking about the fact that I've been playing music for almost 20 years and have never put out a physical, a physical anything. You know, I haven't put out a physical thing since 1987. Mm-hmm. Been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. Let's while. just say that when <laughs> I did it, as it long as cassette. I've been alive, <laughs> it was cassette. Yeah, when I did eight Top track third. was out, and um, nobody was doing vinyl anymore, not really at that, that level. Yeah. And um, the truth of the matter is that. Um, CDs were still cost prohibitive. Right. Getting printed. Right. Well, so this cost us two bucks a disc. Yeah. I bet you I would have spent like $35 a disc to get them for se- at, at yeah. my level because I've only, you know. Back in the day, it was grossly expensive. I remember getting a CD duplicator from work. They yeah. gave me one because they were getting rid of it. And I was like, yeah. if I do another project, I'm just going to duplicate my own CDs. These are not burnt CDs, these are actual like, Printed. Yeah, those are professionally done. Printed. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, everybody I knew when I was growing up, they all had like their own CD, and they were putting their own labels on there. And yeah, like, we yeah. mass. I I had to buy a printer, <laughs> and it was mass printing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had. <laughs> so I was in a country band. Now I did not. I was not part of the recording, but I did tour with them and have. I was uh, the bass player, and I did autograph a lot of mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and 
Uh, that was a professionally printed one. Um, I still have a few of them here. Not a lot, maybe two or three. Um, and we actually had some good music. I've had people go, wow, I know that song, don't I? I go, yeah, probably heard it on the radio, but they didn't. The, the um, All of us had day jobs that were too much money to go on a, or a um, national tour. So we did a re- what they call a regional tour. And, yeah. Uh, so. Jim, uh, I'm going to let you do your what's new, and then I'm going to give my apology to the world. And um, it's going to be good, folks. You want to hear this because I don't normally I don't normally apologize. Yeah. (laughs) So my what's new, I want to I want to preface this with. David told me not to do this, but my son told me not to do this. I got a lot of people that said, don't do it because it's so niche that, you know, for the amount of money that you're spending. There's the, the, you could buy a chorus pedal or whatever and do the same thing. Now that said, when I played, and I'm going to give a hit to what it is and then show it. When I played Wanted Dead or Alive live on this thing, it was there. I was Richie Sambora, baby. There's so much cheese. Here we go. So much cheese. So much cheese. And I know the guys at 60 Cycle Hum love these. Oh yeah, because they love being different. Um, so I got one of these. It is a Rick and Backer thirty thirty twelve, um, and uh, it's in a beautiful fire glow. A lacquered rosewood fretboard. A lacquered. Rosewood you don't get. Fretboard. You don't get any who, fucking weirder than that, folks. Who lacquers a rosewood fretboard? A Rick and Backer. And Rick and Backer does <laughs> dual action truss rods. Two of them. Um. Because you've got about 10,000 pounds pressure, whatever it is on this thing. Um, and the weirdest headstock. Yeah. This over, so you've got you've got tuners going this way and tuners way. And the thing only the, the neck on that weighs about 12 pounds. This is extremely <laughs> light. So this whole guitar weighs under eight pounds. Yeah, yeah it's all pounds. the tu- it's all the tuners. Yeah. Yeah, if it didn't have this many tuners, it'd probably weigh closer to seven pounds. Or I mean six pounds. Um, oh, I thought it was I thought that was a nine pounder. Nope. This is seven pounds fourteen. No. Seven pounds five eight ounces. This is under eight pounds. And it is very, very Yeah, put it in the like you guys can feel it. That, um, my PRC that I just got was seven pounds four ounces. So just to put that in perspective, if you know what yeah. a C is like, that's actually this thing is right truly, in the ballpark. There's a so obviously there's a center, but they don't do a center block, as I sent to you. So their seam, making sure I don't hit the headstock on. It. So their seam is actually up here, not down here. And so the way they do it, no, the other way, it is down there instead of up here. And so the way they do it, they gut the guitar top so that everything, or no, back, so that everything is routed out. Then they glue a top down. Yeah, but and th- so there's no center block of wood, but there is center mass. There's center mass, exactly. And the um, and so uh, what it is is they, and I sent you the video on it. So if you get a chance to, the listeners, watch the, uh, um, Rickenbacker, uh, where they do a build of uh, the factory yeah. tour, they so you can see the seam right along here, and what they do is they gut the guitar, um, 
in place mm-hmm. and then glue a piece of wood down. Mm-hmm. And so unlike the other ones, there isn't like a piece that this is not separate wood along the edges. Well, is, you've got two pieces of wood there. It's just you don't yes, have yes. a set. You don't have a separate. It's not like an acoustic guitar kind of construction. Right. Where right, you have where a, you a round piece that's on the side that goes all the way around the guitar. Right. And it gets this bound is, on both in front and back. Right. So that, this know, is looks part nice. of the back. Right. So. It, it, it's like a bowl and then they glue a top to the bowl. So it's pretty cool. Um, it was a pretty cool process. This, I, I'm still trying to get used to using this, the blend knob. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you can see, I had it in the neck position. I just left it there. Um, <laughs> I did not play it in the middle position. They're the middle jangly, position. very hot. Like they're much more like a single coil, like from a strat, than people realize right. in the bridge. They're a high output strat pickup, is what it's yeah, like. Yeah, basically. Um, and uh, really nice. Um, intonating it, not so much a breeze. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not. They're not the most fun guitars in the world to deal with, especially. But I can tell you this: of course, it, it's hard. This camera is not great in its position, but this this action is extremely low, um, and this neck is arrow straight. Um, out of the this was the best setup out of the box, other than my SG, uh, than I've had in a long time. The SG, though, I changed the strings and it and it started to give me a little where I need to tweak the neck. This right. guy has been rock solid, but then again, if you think I'm changing the strings on this anytime soon, you that's what I told you. That. That's what I told you. I told you you're not going to want to deal with it because <laughs> they're a pain in the ass. That's why people leave the strings on them until they rust and break. I've seen people playing like eight strings on a 12 string because they just refuse to do anything with it. Yeah. So it's crazy. It might be that they route the back and then because I'm looking at the seams. It looks like they they route yeah, the I believe that, I believe it's the back that they route and they out. They glue the back on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and the front just is to, the bowl. Just to share a little bit more, um, there's actually like three different construction methods you could do for for um, uh, a semi hollow like that. And right. uh, PRS in their hollow bodies, they're true hollow bodies. They actually route right. out the entire inside of one piece of wood. Um, and I don't even think they're sandwiched together. Maybe the top is, but it's like it is an extraordinary way that they do it because it's basically a one piece body that's routed out instead of being separate pieces glued together and it's very right. similar to how rickenbacker does theirs correct um, that's what i was going to say very similar except no center block which which right. is really the difference your pickups are mounted in wood but they're not mounted in a center block right right um, so what they've done is they've left that like you said they've left that in this guitar they've left mm-hmm. that block of wood down the center but yeah. it's not like in gibson and other brands where they glue a block of wood right in the center yeah um, and route that block of wood yeah and I, I think there's advantages and disadvantages to each yeah to both um yeah. i think solid body like solid body guitars are the easiest to care for semi hollows are next in line and then of course hollow bodies are probably the hardest to care for you know, oh, yeah. depending on how they're constructed i think the gibson style of construction is more prone to like moisture and that kind of stuff over time so if you have one of those guitars for 40 years you know there's chances yeah. that your top may need some work and that kind of stuff and, um, and it really depends on the style of arch top too so right i've got to apologize to everybody that can hear the motor noise um 
I have Can't a humidifier that's running. And right now, the way the temperatures are outside with the heat running, it gets too dry too fast. And I have that, and I have that one, and I have the tailor, and I have yeah. uh, the, the, my son's uh, um, Gretsch. Too many hollow bodies to let this place get dry for any length of time. I keep okay. it between 40 and 60, usually around 50. Yeah, you want to be right around 50, between 40 and 60, somewhere in that ballpark. So, um, I'm going to kick off my apology tour here. I think uh, that's my watch too. Yeah, because I thought you were I thought you were done. Do you have anything else? You sure you don't have anything else? Uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, All there's right. a case. It's so a part of the Rickenback case. <laughs> the part uh, of this episode that I have been uh, looking forward to the most. Yeah. Um, for anybody who tuned in to our live stream, thank you for doing that. Uh, first and foremost, yep. we're going to talk about the uh, the gig report. Well, I'll talk about the actual nuts and bolts of the live stream, how I felt about it playing and all that kind of stuff. But um, the in-between song banter, uh, when you're put into a position, like most band members don't get into put into a position where um, somebody says, we want you to interact with people in the audience, like on a direct person-to-person basis from, from the stage. Um, and... Uh, it's one of those th- weird moments, right? Where you're like, and of course I'm going, I've done Twitch. Like I'm used to that kind of thing. And my, of course my co-host had, had already worked up some banter. Um, I wanted to apologize to him first because uh, he starts talking and he starts telling stories about the songs. And I'm like, well, actually uh, kind of correcting him on a few things because he makes some assumptions that some of the songs that are on this EP were written for this EP or written right around the time the EP was written. And some of these songs are like two, three years old. Right. Um, and I, I kind of set the record straight and I felt like a complete dick for just like getting in the middle of it. But I told a couple of stories too. And um, they came off, I think, to some folks as being a little antagonistic. Uh, the relationship between Tony and I is great. Um, I want to I want to start off by saying that, and of course Jerry's there as well. He's our hired drummer. So if you didn't know that relationship and how that works, that's how that works. Um, he so Tony and I actually already talked about this. I personally apologize to him. So I want everybody to know that for, first and foremost. Like I took him aside and said, "Hey, I didn't really want to like get in the middle of it. I was just trying to be silly." Like there were a couple of things because we were coming off. He was coming off as being super like, um. I don't know, super serious about everything. And I think there's a lot of humor in the style of music we're doing. Not so much the music itself. I think the, some of the lyrics are very serious. But when you have a song like The Claw, I mean, come on. We know that's a joke. Everybody knows that's a joke. Um, so I I, I kind of interjected and, and said some things that were probably um, a, a little, I guess what I want to say like... Um, they weren't flattering, okay? <laughs> they made me come off like a dick. Now, if you've been listening to this show for the last couple of years, yeah, I'm opinionated. I don't normally apologize. Uh, I am here apologizing because even I watched it and went, eh, it's a little, it's a little murky. Um, but there's one thing in particular that I do want to talk about. And I, I am going to apologize for it because it was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. But I'm also going to explain why it did. Um, because I think that provides some context 
and maybe can get some people into a different headspace um, in terms of how they think about uh, their behavior in a live stream. And I'm not talking about specifically anybody from the show that I knew that they were doing or whatever, but it's just really like a general community thing. By the way, you can hear my bird clock going off, going off back there. Yeah, I am freaking thrilled. My bird clock from when I was 12 years old still works. And I, I, cool. I put batteries in it and now it's chirping. And that is, you know, I'm 37 years old. So I'm like, that's a 20 year old Walmart clock that still works. Uh, it's fantastic. So yeah, I'm, I'm tickled to death. You're going to hear that on the episode probably twice. Uh, if we go, God, if we go long enough. So, um, all right. So the comment I made on the show, there was somebody in chat who said something to the equivalent of, wow, it's really great that David doesn't get paid by the note. Oh, and it's dude. one of those jokes that I'm just fucking tired of hearing. Um, and that's really the context of this. I apologize. I should not have done what I did because I made a joke about, well, I could play faster. And looking back at it, it made it seem like I was completely out of touch with what I was saying, number one. It made it look like I was like being legitimately serious and I was being sarcastic. Um, but I was also legitimately pissed off. Because I was like, you know what? I have fucking had so much criticism from people telling me you play too fast. Nothing you plays means anything. Like, I've heard it my entire fucking life. And you know what? Get fucked. I don't care anymore. Um, you can complain about it till you're blue in the face that you don't like people who play fast. Fine. That's not your bag. I'm not, I'm not asking you to like it. Um, right, right. It's not your job to like it. No, I, I so, uh, but I do think, but I do think there's some things I, would, I, I want to address here before I go any further, which is that like, yeah, of course I love, I love people like, like David Gilmore, for example, he's one of my favorite players. Dude does not play a hundred miles an hour. Let's, let's just be honest. Um, right. Doesn't mean the shit he plays isn't any more challenging than anybody else's stuff. Um, and there's other dudes that I love that do both, right? They know that they can play these, you know, slow, very specific moving pieces and then go and do some John Petrucci shit, you know? And it's like, yep. for me, look, I grew up idolizing people like Eddie Van Halen, remembering watching my brother watch that stuff on TV. I remember being in a town that was like a couple hours from Austin, right? And so what do you think we heard on the radio? When or, right. and and the TV like the the afternoon kids show you know the in between music it was all Texas blues I I mean I was living in Texas at that time so um for me the way I perceive music is very very different I think than somebody that like grew up in a household where you you know your older siblings were listening to Britney Spears and NSYNC or you know, or maybe you had that older, the cool older sibling that was listening to a lot of Pink Floyd and Santana, which I grew up with kids that had that stuff going on too. Yeah. So, so for me, like, when I hear somebody say this, I just feel like they're very narrow-minded. Um, and I, it, it just, it irritates me because like, I put a lot of effort into, into, you know, being the best guitar player I can, I could perceivably be. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I get, I get asked this question, should I have reacted that way? Especially not in a, you know, public setting for sure. Like not as a band member talking to an audience, hugging somebody who's a potential fan that made me feel like complete shit 
when I watched it back and I realized that somebody reached out to me and said, you were being really, for lack of a better, cringy. And I was like, and then I watched it and I went, yeah, you're right. But I also sort of already knew why, because I was like, they said the one thing that like pushes my buttons and I'm just sick of hearing it. Um, I posted a video and you could probably find it if you look hard enough and it wasn't good. Right. I'm going to, I'll, I'll just be completely frank, but this was 12 years ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. And somebody was like, Oh, that's a lot of noodling. And ah, that dude. pissed, that pissed me off like 12 years ago. And believe me, it was, he, he wasn't wrong. Okay. He wasn't wrong, but it like started this perce this perception and reaction. And when I talk right. to people, when I play in front of people, I actually get concerned that they're going to be like, oh, he plays too much. He overplays. Dude, that's what I do. I mean, like, get over it. Overplaying is a thing. Uh, I mean, Joe Bonamouse had jokes about the fact that, like, people pay to see him overplay over blues changes. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just get with the program. Like, that's it's okay. It's okay to overplay. Um, I mean, to be completely honest, I think they both require certain skills and they're not mutually or they're they're not mutually exclusive either but like they are sort of exclusive you're not gonna you're not gonna learn to play like Ingve malmstein and not use it you know what i mean like um even even guys that that do say they don't use it you hear you hear elements of shred in their music i mean um and i do idolize players there are there are certain players specifically i idolize who do who are very capable of the shred stuff but still play soulfully and melodically. And I feel like I still accomplish that. Um, but I just, it, it just, it's infuriating for me to hear that. So that's why I did it. It wasn't because I was trying to be a dick. Like it was because I've had years of like people telling me this shit and it irritates me. It's the same thing as when, so when I had my Kiesel and I'd go out to um, my headless, right. And I'd go out to, to bars and some drunk guy would Where's come the rest to of your me. guitar? Where's the, what the hell happened to your your neck? And then I had one guy tell me, is that a fucking mandolin? And I was just like, no, it's my guitar. And then I get up and play and let my playing do the talking. And that's what I should have done here. Um, but it was just uh you can only take so much of that crap. And in in, in my Twitch, in my to be fair, in my in my Twitch stream, if somebody comes in and starts fucking being a jerk, I'm gonna boot your ass. And I have done that. Um, so, you know, there's that too, to be aware of. I, I moderate for my wife's Twitch stream, which is like, do you say something to my wife? Yeah. yeah they 100%. She's giving me license to boot whoever the hell I want anyway, but it's like, absolutely will not be tolerated. And that's kind of how I felt about this, but it, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have taken it as that much of an affront. This is the old right. musician ribbing joke between the two guys in the room. And I just wasn't seeing it that way. I was seeing it. This is some random person at home because I didn't know the person. Um, just kind of busted my balls. And it's like, you know what? I, what it says is, come on over. You can do it. I'll let you do it. You gonna take over? You know, I, maybe that's more of it, more dickish than what I did say. But, um, well, you know, I, so I've got a lot of people who go on to um, uh, one of the. Um, the uh, videos that I have posted on my channel. Mm -hmm. And they'll say stuff like, 
uh, that was out of tune. And I could see that they only watched for a few seconds or um, that was uh, um, that that's the easiest Skinner song there is to play. Um, Newsflash, most Skinner songs are not difficult. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I thought, you know, number one, you haven't got something nice, don't say. Right. I mean, it, it's an old adage that still still holds up against the test of time. You don't have anything nice, don't say anything at all. Leave and it to, leave it at home. And go ahead. Yeah, let me let me just finish this part. And the other part is that um and I think this is the more more important part is that then I go over to the, these people's channels and I do this on other people's channels where I'll see somebody has written something smart ass and I look at their channel and they have nothing. They have nothing. If you're going to come at somebody, have something. But if you, if you can't go with rule number one, don't say anything nice at all. Have something. Show me that you did something other than one guy had a, had a, a video of him playing Guitar Hero. I mean, that's, that's what you've got. That is what you've got to show <laughs> that, that you're a better guitar player is you played Guitar Hero and you were awesome at it. Oh, goody. How and many, how many Guitar that, Heroes do you think are really good at Guitar Hero? I've right. got, I got well, news for you. It ain't many. <laughs> that's right. And I could, I, well, Getty Lee and, and uh, Alex Lifeson sucked at Guitar Hero. So, um, and uh, I don't know if you ever saw that Rush one. Have you ever seen yeah. uh, Rush playing either Guitar Hero or Rock Band? It is hilarious. And they sucked at it. Um, couldn't play their own parts. Uh, so that just tells you how good Guitar Hero is and what a measure of a real musician is. But that said, all that said, it's it's that I don't go back at them and say, hey, I went to your channel and it's full of crap and blah, blah. I just leave it. I mean, it, I think some people are just looking for a fight. Some people just need to put somebody else down. Sometimes it's because they're just – there's so many reasons that people are insulting in their lives. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they were trying to be insulting personally. I think they just but thought it was not. funny and cute and they were trying to be like cute, funny right, about it. Right. And they don't realize like that has a lot of baggage attached to it for me. Right. And also for other players I know, because I'm not the only one that's had, I've had this conversation with in the past. I know yeah. for a fact, there are specifically other people, including some in our community who think this kind of behavior is ridiculous. Um, that, that both my behavior and their behavior. So word of warning, two wrongs don't make a right, but I'm just saying like, be more open-minded and you won't run into this shit. Right. You know, um, Absolutely. and it wasn't this specific, specific person. It's just, there's this whole culture of people that are like, I, and I'll be honest with you. I had a lot of thinking about this and I think a lot of it's people being like, I can't do that. So it sucks. No that, one's asking exactly you to do saying. that. It's, it's not a competition. Are... It's not like it's not like anybody's expecting you to have this specific repertoire that includes people that are physically like kind of freakish, right? Um, I, I nobody's expecting you to to come in and play like like Marty Friedman tomorrow, uh, right? And so if you're gonna like piss on people, you know, understand that these guys are like up here somewhere. They're just not playing the stuff you like. Right. Um, and that's it. That's all I have to say. Yeah. So. Well, you know, we go, we go to that. Oh, that music has no soul. 
and this, that, and the other thing. And it's, and, the, and again, it comes back to my rule number one. If you don't have something nice to say, just keep it to yourself. You might think it doesn't have soul. You might think it doesn't speak to you. You might think it's not great. You might think it's blah, blah, blah. I mean, for having no soul, I sure put a year into it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, mean, I put everything into this that I could. Um, yeah. And I, I guess, could, I, could, could the record have turned out better? Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's one of those things where when you're in the moment and you're doing it, it, it is a reflection of what it, where you were at that point in time. And, yep. um, I think the fact that we've done that is sort of pulling the, the mask off, you know, like I'm not hiding anything. There's nothing that I've got nothing to hide. This is very stripped back. Like, okay, I'm going to play this solo. There's one solo on here I did like 96 takes on, but like everything else is pretty much spot on and just like, okay, I went nuts and I tried to replicate some of the solos live, but I was talking to another friend and he was like, dude, you just let loose on some of those. Like it was like you were playing much better than you were on the record for some of them. And I was like, well, I mean, it's just when you're in the moment and you have that feeling feel right. And you have yep. that emotion and you put it into your music and you make it more intense. And that's exactly what I did. And so you're going to tell me that that doesn't have soul. Like maybe right. it doesn't have the elements of music that you're familiar with hearing that you like, but it doesn't mean that I didn't put my effort into it. You know, like I didn't put mm -hmm. myself into it, which is, that's what the, when I hear somebody say that, that's what I hear. I want to hear what's driving those notes. What's making those notes do the things yeah. they do. I mean, um, it's it's like it, now I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna out myself a little bit here. It's like when you're walking through a, a place and everybody's like, "Oh, such a cute baby! Wasn't oh, that a beautiful baby?" And you look at it, you go, "I don't think that was finished before you let it out." I and <laughs> and I, two wrongs don't make a right. I'll, I'll tell you a true story. I'll tell you a true story. This is this is how little filter I have. Oh, we know. So my, my best friend. His daughter was born. This comes back to what we're talking about. His daughter was born. He was such a proud papa. He's got his baby girl. Is I, I don't think she was a day or two old. If she was two days old, I'd be surprised. I think it was the day. Um, so anyway, he's got her in his arms. He's so proud. He shows her to me. And I look at her and I go, this is the ugliest fucking kid I've ever seen in my entire life. And he, go, and he looks at me and I thought he was going to cry. And I go, Dan, it looks just like you. Only it doesn't have a mustache. And then he was like, oh, I knew you didn't mean what you said. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, in the back of your head, you're thinking, yeah, I did. No, no, she's a beautiful, <laughs> she's a beautiful child. She's, I, she's a beautiful woman. Um, but but she had her daddy's face and he would not look a, make a good looking woman. And so, you know, it's like, uh, luckily she grew out of that, I'll tell you that. But I'm just saying that, um, he, you know, there's a, there is a point where, you know, we, we have to be able to keep back the things that, that are, that can be construed as mean. Luckily we had a friendship and that's what I was getting at. We had a friendship. Yeah. There's Bob. a common ground there. We are still very best friends. He is my very, very top best friend on this entire planet outside of my children and my wife. That is my best friend in the world. Okay. So I know him better than I know my brothers. I mean, it, it's, it's a common bond. 
So to sit down and say that to him was because I knew that I could say that in jest and then crack the rest of the joke. But people tend to do this on the internet with strangers. Yeah. That's a totally different thing. You see what I mean? Yeah. I'm, but I'm sure you and the listeners had a different reaction until I, you know, I finished the thing. I, you have to be able to know that I am your, you know, I'm not talking to you like a friend. So you don't understand. And we're on the internet. I went to business communication. There's so many things you have to think about when you communicate with people, especially when you write communication. And it is a one way ticket to, oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't mean it that way, and 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 it's already out there in the ether, and it and it, like, well, uh, it's worth sharing. Uh, I I brought it up on the show. I wanted to make the apology. I also wanted I also wanted to say that I talked to my wife about this. My wife says, "You're the driest person I know," right. and she and she basically said like I could see people missing, right, some of the things you say because you're so dry. That's right. That like they don't see the humor in it, but I wasn't being humorous. I was being like razor tongue, sarcastic, like go fuck yourself. Kind of. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't come yep. off that way because in the moment, of course, you know, we're playing music and I'm trying to be, you know, happy smile. And I'm like, you fucking asshole. Like I'm going to find you. And, um, I understand why people, I, you hear these stories about people jumping off into the crowd, beating the shit out of people in the crowd, like harassing other people or like yelling at them or whatever. I understand it. Like even Steve Morse tells a story about spitting on somebody. Um, he, um, uh, Dave, uh, uh, Roger Waters mm-hmm. famously um, uh, spit on the crowd in uh, Montreal in 1974 uh, because they kept shouting out money, money, and to money, be fair, to money. be fair, I think that's a dick move. And I and I would I would be I do too. I, I'm not terrified of something like that happening. And actually, I would be like, "Look, what can I do to make it up to this person after it's over?" But I understand people getting pushed. Oh, he far. hated himself for it. He he was he was literally that's that's kind of I I want to say it was that tour that comfortably numb the doctor yeah which became comfortably numb was written over uh-huh. and and it's all because you know he. He was just not. They weren't Marina Rockers yet. They had just released Dark Side of the Moon. They were going out there in front of tens of thousands of people instead of hundreds of people or thousands of people. And suddenly. He's like, I hate this. I hate Mm -hmm. what we've become. I hate what what our relationship with the audience has become. And I hate what I did for doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you hear a lot of stuff about him literally berating himself over the fact that he did it. No, I just, I'm just highly embarrassed. And like, I would never have said that to somebody had I had any context. And I just was in, you know, it was in the moment. And like, I was like, no, this is, this is really the wrong thing to do. So anyway, uh, I want to go ahead and skip, skip over to the next topic. So the next topic is uh, brand reliability versus reality. And we've actually touched on it. I think briefly on other shows. And I, and I do recall at some point saying we were going to come back to it. I had a personal situation come up. We were talking about it with a friend. And so I, I, I want to bring this up and, and kind of preface this conversation is this. Um, there is a disjoin, especially if you go on places like the gear page or other, you know, the internet guitar community stuff, which I, I, before we even begin this discussion, I want to say this, the vast majority of people 
who play guitar aren't in every forum. They're not in the gear page. The gear page is a very, very small community of musicians. Um, I have looked there. I, I like when I go in the gear page, I recognize people's names. That's yeah, how small it actually is. Um, yep. And same thing with uh, like Harmony Central back in the day and whatever, you know, I, I'm on Strat Talk as well. And some of the other. Oh, yeah, I used to be on Harmony Central and I used to be on Strat Talk. And I've been on I've been on, um, you know, the Facebook groups are the, sort of the same thing. You see the same names popping up in different Facebook groups. It's a very, very small community of people communicating about guitar on the Internet. I run into people all the time at stores who have no fucking clue what's going on on the Internet. Right. Yep. Um, in, terms of, in terms of guitar culture, they're not on YouTube watching Philip McKnight. They don't give a shit about him. They don't give a shit about us. They don't give a shit about 60 Tackle Hum or anybody else for that matter. Yep. Um, so yep. I want to preface this with that. Now, um, when I'm talking about brain reliability versus reality, uh, on these forums and these, what, for lack of a better word, these internet communities of people, uh, they tend to have like these allegiances. Like if you go to my Les Paul, you're going to get a lot of people talking about Les Pauls as like the greatest guitar on earth and Gibson can do no wrong and all that stuff. And if you go on the gear page, you're going to get the opposite. You're going to get a bunch of people who are like Gibson's evil. They're too expensive. They don't make good stuff. Like I get it. Right. And I use I pick on Gibson because we all talk about Gibson reliability from time to time. I'm also going to talk about Fender here and, and everybody else, too. So I, what I want to talk about is um, the difference in that perception of how a brand is versus how a brand actually is. And I've heard people, this is, this is the first other case I want to talk about, which is that um, I've heard people say, well, my tech says, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with what your tech says. And I, and I think I'm not, look, your tech is probably right to an extent. He sees a lot of guitars with, with a certain problem. Um, and let's just talk about guitars. Like we're not going to talk about amps. That's a whole other thing. And we, it, it actually is basically the same principles apply. So I think we could just use guitars as a hypothetical. Um, let's say they say Fender has a lot. And I'm just using Fender as an example. Fender has a lot of guitars that have warp necks. Okay. Now, what, what is a technician using to base his opinion on? Guitars that come in the shop, right? So you can guess he's probably correct in that. He's had a lot of fenders on his bench with warped necks. Now, first problem, that's anecdotal. Yep. Uh, it's one tech, okay? And yep. climate could be a factor. You know, it could be a million different things. I'm not even going to try and speculate on it because it could just be a million different things. They could be a dealer. You know, like that, that could be another thing. Like people tend to take their guitars back to the dealer where they bought them to get them worked on a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um. Players who are more professional, been doing a lot longer, usually have a valued tech that they like to take their stuff to. But for the average person, now granted, who's the average person? Somebody might store their guitars in bad environments, right? That could be a cause for warp necks, right? I mean, um, you got to think about situations like that and sort of apply some logic to what's going on. Um, so let's let's take it a step further. Um that's step that's problem one, right? So your technician says, and we'll get back to the forum thing because that's a whole other that's a whole other can of worms. I think Jim and I are gonna have a a long conversation about that. But technician says, um, and then based on you know what he gets on his bench, right? Well, here's the other thing. Technician says fenders have warp necks, right? 
Who makes more guitars than anyone else? I mean, Fender and Gibson are pretty much the top manufacturers of guitars in the country. Yeah. So why might you think they would have a negative opinion of that brand specifically? Because they see more guitars from that company. Yeah. But they don't actually know, and a lot of times they lose sight of the fact that for every one guitar that comes across their bench, there's 500 that never even get to him. You know, that he never sees. He doesn't right. get to evaluate. Um, and that a lot of those guitars are what I like to call and what Ed Roman used to call Christmas guitars, meaning yeah. tis the season, right? Um, people get them as gifts. They never play the damn things. They end up in a closet. Yep. The best fucking Fender guitar on earth could be in somebody's closet or underneath their bed, given to them in 1988 as a Christmas gift and forgotten. Yep. Let that sink in for a moment. There's your truth bomb for the episode, right? If you want a truth, I, I hate that shit. I hate that expression too. But that's like, holy shit. Like, it could be a thing. It could, right? Um. So how would you, I mean, you can't make an accurate assessment based on anecdotal evidence. This is something no. I deal with at my association. We deal with a large quantity of members. Squeaky wheel often gets the grease, but it's one of those conversations we have to have about anecdotal evidence and how it relates to workplace performance. And um, in, in, in our case, I think a lot of opinion in the guitar community is based purely on anecdotal evidence. Um, Jim, you're a Gibson guy. I mean, we hear all the time about guitars that are poorly made and yep. whatever, but like by and large, I mean, I, I could tell you the guitars I picked up in the store from Gibson that people said were dog shit or poor setups. Okay. Yep. Um, poor setups are poorly cut nuts. Uh, when, you, when, I, when I hear dog shit, I think warped thick out of the box and on this on the shelf ready for sale. Um, I haven't seen and now maybe I'm not the, ac the the best person to assess that, but I haven't seen a lot of warped necks coming out of either Gibson or Fender sitting on the floor. Now, I will say this. Many, many, many companies are guilty, especially when they get to the economy of scale. And you can vouch for this, Jim, um, of shipping out guitars that literally go right back to the factory or right in the dumpster because mm -hmm. they sort of use the mom and pop shops and the dealers and the big box guys to whittle out uh, the bad stuff at the end of the line sometimes because their QC didn't kick that one back. And also because like, okay, let's talk about how Fender ships guitars. Um, if it's a guitar that comes without a case, it's in its gig bag. It's in a box with barely any padding. Uh, it shows up and like, it, it, it's a crapshoot. But Fender knows they can afford to lose this many instruments in shipping. And they have, they ship so many guitars, they have an accurate equation. They yeah. know we are going to lose XYZ in shipping and that we can write that off. And they're okay with that. Which is exactly why, so right now, the big scandal is the AVRI guitars. And this is where we're going to get back to the forums, right? Um, I've seen, I saw a post in the gear page about one with missing screws for the Tele control plate uh, that was shown to me by uh, Jeff B. 
Um, and I think I've seen several when they're missing uh, vibrato arms, right? Like you, I think you told me about that one, and I've seen a couple others since then. But it's yep. like I, I I have to I have to step back and go, how many of these guitars did they ship? Because we don't know. We don't know exactly. Um, exactly. They could, this could be Fender's most popular model. I mean, yeah, they could have shipped a zillion of these, a thousand or fifteen thousand or twenty thousand, and and the twenty bad ones wound up on the internet, and everybody's going, "Holy shit, their quality's gone to hell." <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. So the, the the whether it's Gibson Fender or Ivy Ivy and Firefly, the 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 fact of the matter is. Very few people are going to get on the internet and go, this is an awesome guitar, and this is awesome and awesome, awesome. Right. Most people are, are going to get on the guitar, or I mean, get on the internet because they want to prove to the company this thing is a piece of garbage, mm-hmm. and this is how it came. It doesn't do this. It won't do that. I can't get it in tune. I can't. I've tried intonating it. I pulled the strings off. Um, I, I saw... One guy, uh, for some reason, Chipsons are starting to become popular again. So all of a sudden, I saw one guy because yeah, Epiphone prices are more expensive now. That's why I know, I know, and uh, that's what I'm thinking. And I, but anyway, so I, I, I see this uh, guy, and he goes, "Yeah, I wish this. I could tell you it was great, but I went to adjust the truss rod, and there wasn't one." <laughs> <laughs> forgot to put it on yeah <laughs> i think great. i saw that that's great the trust turned and didn't do anything it was just spinning yeah. because they gotta lock it down trust rods aren't you know yeah not magical things um so i i i found that a little bit hilarious um and the, but the thing is and I'm, I'm picking on chips in a little bit here but the thing is that that those are two of how many thousand chips get shipped out of Yeah, them. yeah. From so, multiple manufacturers, right? To hear from somebody going, my chips, it's great. Doesn't really shock me. Yeah, somebody, like, really shock me. somebody like Eastman Guitars? Yeah. I mean, so, so just, you know, keep that in mind. And, and I think there's a reason why smaller companies tend to get a better rap for reliability. Right. When you when you only ship 10 or 15 guitars a day, it's really easy to make sure that they all hit the QC marks. That's right. And um when I see um like you're talking about Eastman Heritage, not a yeah. one. Um what's the one Collings, right? Yeah, That's the Collings. Big... Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean Collings would be compared to custom shop so little stuff and quite That's frankly right. any sort of reliability or damage issue at custom shop level is yep. unacceptable when you're talking about that kind of money right. just not acceptable uh novo um, yeah yeah i mean and you're absolutely right i i have no complaints with my custom shop but i've heard people complain about the custom shops and I'm not saying that their complaints are valid in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, uh, again, that's an economy of scale. It's a, it's a, um, yeah. There's certain things that that happen, you know. Right. Well, and we've talked, we've talked about custom shops, and I, I kind of embarrass the Murphy Lab stuff all the time because the, the checking looks so bad. 
But that's not a quality issue. I don't. That's just no, the way that, they. That's the way they do it. That's their artistic thing. I've talked right. about that before. I wish if if. And again, I'm not going to go down the. I wouldn't buy a relic guitar. Thing yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not, yeah. We've we've done that. <laughs> it's <right>. been done. <laughs> but what I would say is, if 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 I wanted a relic guitar, because I hear uh, I hear this all the time about like the Brad Paisley or the other ones that come off the Mexico Native Mexico line of Fenders, and they get a you get a relic guitar in, and it looks exactly like the other Brad Paisley. Looks exactly like the other. Yeah, relic which Paisley. doesn't look like a relic at all. Which doesn't look relic. Very relic and all. But that said, I could look at five Murphy Labs and they pretty much look identical. Because mm -hmm. there's really, okay, how many ways can you drag keys across the back um, and, you know, apply, thank you, apply uh, um, the, the, you know, the checking to the finish? Well, I, I mean, I think, but I also think Murphy Lab is selling. wear out wear out the frets between the fifth fret and the and um and not just murphy lag i'm talking about fender yeah. custom shop too but i don't think that so so fender is more more it's more cookie cutter mix, mix and match patterns yeah. i think murphy lab is like we're all gonna make this whole run look the same and right. that's okay that's honestly if you're a consumer especially today in, in today's internet buying market and you get online and you go i want that one the one that's pictured the model guitar from xyz line you can get that from them right like that's actually kind of cool i from, from my perspective when i bought my prs i had to like dig through hundreds of different ce's to find a top i liked that i just found yeah. pictures online of dealers you know going to different dealers Correct. and stuff yep. Yep. before i finally found one where i was like that's the one i want mm -hmm. and it honestly came from a place that you know they always have five or six listed on the site anyway but it was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, no. So like I, it was one of the first places I looked and I just yeah. got lucky. Uh, there was another one at ish, which, which almost, I almost got that one, but right. um, it, it's just, uh, you know, when you start thinking about that, that, that proposition, like there's a lot of factors that go into it. So then the internet community, this is where things get, get dicey because yep. everyone has an agenda on the internet. Right. Okay. Um, and you don't know right. what, the, and because there's so much anonymity, you don't know how genuine people are. I mean, usually in like groups, like Facebook groups, I think people are generally a little bit more upstanding, but we've also seen people with fake profile pictures, fake names, all that kind of shit on the, in there too. And when you hear stuff that just doesn't make any fucking sense, uh, it, it really hurts the credibility of somebody saying something like, Right. Remember, we used to talk about people saying, I sold my Friedman, Friedman to get a katana. No, you yeah, didn't. Well, Stop lying. Like, <laughs> I, that's right. I sold my custom shop, Les Paul, to buy a Chibson. No, you didn't. You bought a Chibson and you decided you wanted some money and you yeah. sold the custom shop, Les Paul, which right. there's nothing wrong or with Or maybe that. you had bills or whatever. Honest. There's nothing wrong right. with that. Exactly. Just be honest about it. You don't need to tell people why. Just say, you know what? I got the chips in. I liked it, and I needed some money for something that came up. I sold my last. You don't even have to say I mean, that. You say it wasn't a quality issue. I just decided to keep this one over the other. Yeah. You don't have to provide a reason at all. At but all. No. Don't act like that was the right. only thing that drove your decision making. That this did ex did the job as just as well because we all know that's not true. I mean, I think the average consumer would understand that 
you didn't buy uh, a, a um, Honda right. Civic because because like like right. or you had I a Honda Civic I and you sold your Porsche because there's too much overlap. Yeah, you know what the <laughs> the the BMW just didn't do it for me, so I got a Hyundai, and I'm so much happier now. <laughs> Could you imagine getting a Kia over a BMW? Man, you get a I got a used Yugo, <laughs> and I'm so much happier now. Well, that's what you got back there. It's 12th string. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, you know, um, I will say, though, and this is this is where it really comes down to to what we're talking about here, is that the people I, being in the in the Les Paul forums, I would see people all the time. I got this. I paid four thousand dollars for it. It's the best Les Paul. And I go, that's a chimps. And of course, fifteen other people have already told them that. Yeah, no, it's not. I, I I got this at you know a reputable dealer, and this is re- no, that's a Chipson. And if you spent four thousand dollars on it, you're an did, idiot. You got raped. You know, yeah. and it's like, and so the the hilarious part about it is, um, you might have to bleep that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, probably will. Um, anyway, you got you got screwed. I'll I'll say it that way. Um, so the, the point is that the, the person is lying. They're obviously lying. There's nobody uh, in the right freaking mind. Even with the type of guitar they got, even if it was not a fake, it wasn't a $4,000 guitar to begin with. So it's just, you know, for some reason, again, we get to that internet thing. For some reason, people feel like they've got a peacock. They've got to um, do all this stuff, and it's not. Well, but the agenda can even the agenda can even come down some something as simple as I know the guy that built this guitar, which we know that there's people like Equits and you know other guys out there, um, Roni and all of them. Yep, and like I or or even the guy that runs Novo, like I know them personally. They're good people, and like yep. I don't like that Gibson is kicking over their anthill. And so every time I see a thread where people are talking about Gibson, right. I'm going to make up some story about, and you don't think that happens. Exactly. You don't, I, I will tell you this guitar for most people is a hobby. Yes. Okay. And, and for some people, people it's even, yeah, well, but even people are, that are playing out, like it's generally right. a hobby for 95% yeah. of people probably buying guitars. Um, but what I wanted to say it with regard to that is people are super, super vicious about their hobbies. I don't know if you've been involved with anything else, but like I can tell you, I have a friend that, that, that was into aquariums and he wanted to, he wanted to put together fancy aquariums mm-hmm. and like put sharks and stuff in them. Mm-hmm. And people would argue about all kinds. He'd tell me about some of this shit and I'd be like, this petty fucking nonsense. Oh yeah. Like you got to use this air filtration system because if you don't like, yeah, the Pelican's the not going to work. Well enough yeah. for you. you can't use the Pelican 550. I know that you're using four of them on a 75 gallon tank. <laughs> first thing first, what you've got to do, you've got to get this wave system. And, and, then you've you, gotta... and then you ask the guy, you go, well, what's your rig? And he goes, he goes, I don't even have a rig. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a pool boy. <laughs> the, 
I was into I was into the uh, that was one of the few things that I was into. It's same with guns. I, I'll go to gun places and I'm looking at my my son is looking at a particular fire, sidearm, and the guy uh, I wouldn't buy that. And, and he goes, Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, uh, it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's guns, bikes, cars, bicycles, people cars. get fierce and they get ridiculous, and it gets to the point products. It gets to the point where it's like absurd. Now I have a certain friend, and he's he's going to be listening, and he knows yeah. who he is because I'm I'm not going to say his name, but he bought an orange, right? And he's a guy that oh. like really into reliability on amps and stuff. But like I know from stories from other people, and from things I've heard in the industry, yeah. that orange has had a kind of sketchy reputation for their quality in the last really 10 years, 15 years yep. since it's just a tiny terror. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think some of that is complete internet bullshit myth. Right. Correct. But like I hear this and I go, I, you, you, you start wondering, you're like, is this a real thing or not? And I know that the person that bought this amp is probably having a, 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 a the same like mental breakdown right okay. now as I say this. And I'm, I, I don't think it's a problem. I, I'm telling you that you specifically listener, that's not a problem. What I'm saying is that there are people that literally I can't, I can't buy that because yeah. Like, yeah. it could be problematic. I, Listen, I have the, if F1. you want to hear, but if you want to hear people go berserk over their products, get into any collector's thing. Oh, I, yeah. I don't care if it's Funko pops, um, MMOs, you, oh, you've God. been in the MMO. No, you cannot play Final Fantasy 14. You have to play Final Fantasy 11. Or no, you can't play Final Fantasy. You have no, to play. You have to. You World have to have this specific gaming mouse to Elder play this Scroll. game. Yeah. You can't use that mouse. You've got to use the the OBGY 732 because it's got 14 buttons and. And a you know and a bitch one. I mean, you can't click. You can't click the the buttons in the in the in the action bar at the bottom of the screen, even though the game allows you to do it. Yeah, <laughs> like I I, I I cannot I cannot shit you. This is the kind of stupid controversy oh, yeah. that other communities oh, yeah. generate that is analogous to what goes on in yeah. guitar. It is it there is. is a a mental psychological thing that happens when people form a community. That they feel that right. they have to have it. They not only do they feel that their opinion matters, but they feel that they must have one and that they must assert themselves as having That's an right. opinion that matters. You and guitar is absolutely no different. That's Don't believe me? Right. Go to a guitar show. Talk to a few That's people right. you've never met before about guitar and get their opinions. Because I guarantee you you will hear some of the same stupid bullshit dogma that you hear in your and guitar it, shops about bad brands and all this garbage nonsense. Look, I get it. If you buy a, a bad Gibson, I understand why you wouldn't want to buy another bad Gibson. But Especially I but if you like put a lot of money into it. That doesn't mean every Gibson is bad. In fact, right. point of fact, most of them are probably pretty good. Right. I mean, I, I always, yeah, I always wonder. I, I'm like, I guess I've been lucky. And it, it's like, no, you haven't been I, lucky, Jim. I you, you get lucky. lucky when you get a bad one of anything. Right. Right. And that's and that's the point I was going to make. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just like uh, look. I had a Ford, right? Uh, yeah, 
Like, and you want to talk about it? I have a Ford right now. You want to talk about a company that has the worst brand reputation ever? Mine's been fun. Well, there's a reason they call it fix um, or repair daily. Yeah, or found on or road fucked dead. Over, fucked over on raw deal. <laughs> Got, found on road dead. That's my favorite. Flip, yep, flip over and read directions. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I, um, I, I have so many uh, fucking old rusty Dodge. I, I have one. <laughs> I have one. So I, I had a, I had a Mustang, and it was the worst, the world's worst Mustang. It was the Mustang Two oh. in 1976. Oh. So I had a 1976 Mustang Two. So, and folks, it wasn't that old when I owned it. Just to let you know, I, it was used, but it was not Jeez. that old. And so, I had that car. I, I drove it, and and then I traded in. I got a Datsun. I moved myself up in the world. Yeah, he got a Datsun. That's a, that's really a move up in the world right there. No, it was yeah, it was a move. That was kind of it was a lateral, lateral move. move. <laughs> it was a Datsun B two ten GTX or whatever. It was a, at least it was built after nineteen eighty. <laughs> anyway, I so I I moved on and moved up and and I moved down. I've moved. I've done this. And anyway, so I eventually got a um, I got a bonus check and i was moving into another company and i was getting a bigger check so i was like i'm gonna get myself um a ford pickup truck and i got the it's the short ford pickup truck sport track and they don't make the sport track anymore, yeah they don't probably for good reason and so i had a sport track and i loved that truck and then all of a sudden the transmission started going bad and i brought it back and they said all right we got this thing fixed you're ready to go i had my babies and my daughter in there so little, the, the boys were really little. It's winter. I drive it three miles up the street. I had picked up from the place that fixed it, fixed it, okay? Didn't get three miles, and it broke down. Now I'm on the side of the road in, in rural upstate New York, um, uh, uh, New York, where there's nobody between me and Vermont and where I'm going, <laughs> I get on my cell phone and I finally get enough signal to call them. And they're like, well, we closed. And I go, you better send a fucking wrecker out here and you better get me home. <clears throat> um, and they did. And then they called me and said, you need a whole new transmission. And it, that's not your fault. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I didn't do I, And this truck is still under fucking warranty. I got it back. And stupid me, I got so pissed about it. This is me. You sold I, it's it. It's me. I got so pissed about it. I turned it in. I traded for a Hyundai. So oh. it's, I, <laughs> there's another lateral move for you. <laughs> and it was, that was a downward move. That's one of those like this. Well, no, lateral like football. You threw it backwards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I threw it back. Yeah. I did a lateral. And, and unfortunately, the guy fumbled it. And, and <laughs> I don't even want to get into the Hyundai thing. But the point is, <laughs> That I got pissed and I was like, yeah, fuck Ford. Ford's, uh, oh. and I got into that, you know, and if it was the early days of the internet. Yeah, those cars suck. Yeah. And I, all of a sudden the echo chamber was more than willing to fill my head with, yup, you got a shit deal. You got a raw deal. You need to get rid of that piece of crap, buy a better car. And everybody was like, Hyundai, Hyundai, because they were just like Chipson guys. Oh, yeah. If you go out there and you spend a little bit, a little, little you're going to get a lot. Of, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. And, and I bought into it. I was done and dumb enough. I was in my late 30s at this point. And I bought, I was about your age. I bought into it and I was stupid. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's dumb. 
but I did it because I was, yeah, they're right. And, and I'm right. Cause I was thinking the same thing for you about four up. seconds. Yep. And they, and they, they blew up my, my ego by giving me information that was shit. And well, it goes it's right not back even that they that. gave information that was shit. They just gave their inf- ver- ver- version of right, information. Right, right. They and, gave and me it, their And in reality, you probably could have driven that truck and been fine for, you know. Yep, another, I'd and, probably and still that, be driving. It just has to do with ma- people making emotional decisions, right? And you get emotionally connected to your hobbies. Okay. And you get emotionally connected enough that, like, you start to yep. form these almost delusional relationships with companies. and. Yeah. Um, so I have the imp one there. This is what was going to be my side, right? Right. Right. Uh, it is made in China, um, from a German design. Mm-hmm. And, um, I see people bitching in the forums about them breaking all the time. And I sit there and I wonder, should I buy another one just so I have a spare? And it's kind of like one of those things where you sit there and you go, do I, you know, like I, I rely on this thing, right? I yeah. need, I need another one, but then at the same time, you're also like, maybe I should get a different product because if it breaks, and it, you know, at the end of the day, right? You know the stupid part, Jim. I have two other amps that I could use that I can rely on. What the fuck am I worried about? Right? You know, you know what I mean? Like, but that doesn't stop that thought from entering my head, and it has to do with the emotion of the moment, yep. and it has to do in with here with the temper. It also has to do with the thought process that when you're sitting in these groups, you're only going to hear the bad stories. You don't know about the other 10,000 units that are sitting out there because the thing's been around for 10 years, you know, that are still functional and have never had a problem. So it's just all that's that's the way I wanted to frame that. All right. So we want to talk about the. uh, The new PRS. Are you ready? Let's talk about the new PRS. So PRS announced. Rather unceremoniously, um, that they are doing yeah. a DGT SE. Um, a lot of people have said that they will never do a DGT SE. Um, I can honestly say I had heard from somebody several years ago that there was going to be a DGT SE. I cannot say who that person is. Um, they're not a dealer. Uh, it was somebody that was affiliated with the company, believe it or not. Um, but that that there were issues as to why they could not actually produce that guitar at that time. Um, and they would not tell what those issues were because that's obviously proprietary information. But I have a feeling it has something to do with the pickups. Um, so we're getting a DGTSE. I don't know what amount of official information has come out. I've seen things in forums. Um about the DGTSE, they just dropped a video saying that they're doing it, right? And it was more or less talking about their relationship between David Grissom yep. and um, Paul Reed Smith and the, you know, the company and the person and how that came to be. I did not realize DGT had been playing their guitars that freaking long. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Is it, it is David Grissom, right? I'm not getting yeah. it wrong. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, um, David Grissom. The T is trim. Yeah. David so, Gibson trim. Is it going to, so do we know if it's going to, so, so his, his, let's, I'm going to pull up the spec on his USA model because I'm curious. Um, okay, let me look at the spec on the, overseas. yeah. Because, because there's some things I want to highlight about this that, that like, 
I think are worthy of conversation. Uh, so, so, all right. So the David Grissom model, what's special about it is it has special tone controls. We know that. Yep. It yep. is uh, in their core line. Um, actually, I also want to talk about the Robin Ford model too while we're, while we're, on, a, while we're on the subject of new, um, new stuff for PRS because that was a, kind of a quiet announcement about a month ago in the sense that like it, it came in an off time. Um, yep. But so the DGT has, you know, the same tremolo as the core. It has the phase three locking tuners like other cores. Uh, but yep. it has DGT pickups, which are special. Um, they're kind of tuned to his to his ear. And yep. um, it has the I, what I wanted to see was what the neck is. And I believe it's a mahogany neck, right? I don't think this is one of the maple neck models that they've no. done. No. Okay. So that's all I was that's all I was looking for. Cause I was a lot of people have said they want PRS to make a core model with a maple neck. Um, mm. that they feel that the maple neck is a better, more reliable neck for um professional purposes. And that's what I've actually been here heard toted, right? Some people are like tone, 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 but um, most people are like, well, maple is just more stable. Um, and I was kind of wondering if maybe this will be the model where they put a maple neck SE out. You know, I know they nope. they do other ones, I think, but then no, that's I can, not going to. I can tell you no, that's not going to. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to be the case on this guitar. So, yeah. I can you tell played, you, you, you played a DG, you played a DGT before, right? Yep. I believe I have two, and I didn't really think a lot of people said that's the best pickups that that PRS does. Um, I don't Debatable. know if that I don't know if that's the case. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, do an aside on that, and I want I want to take back a statement. So a couple couple weeks ago, actually in, in the previous record the previous launched episode, um, because I I don't even know if I can salvage the last one, um, in the previous launched episode. We had talked about um, the PRS pickup thing in the SE line being mm -hmm. basically comparable to um, the S2 stuff and how like the TCI pickups were different. And that's that's a new thing that they've done. And I just want to preface this with like, these are a totally separate thing. So I don't even know if they have the TCI stamp on them. Um, right. I know that they're, you know, they've been basically moderately changed over the life of uh, PRS. And this guitar has been, I don't think his model has been around this long, but the original guitar that he had built, he's had it since like 1983 or something, right? It's been like a long ass time ago. He, yeah, he started with PRS. I saw some videos of him playing it on like the Tonight Show or something like a long, long time ago. So he's been um, using uh, DG, or, uh, PRS for a long time, and they built him one early. Um, he's one of those guys, if you haven't heard of David Grissom, he's one of those guys that's a, that's a side man and a, and a um, uh, studio cat. For yeah, decades, which lends itself um, to the to the control layout of this guitar, which is right two volume controls with push pull tone one. controls. That's right. 
um, and a three-way toggle pickup switch, which means that he can control each pickup volume independently, and I believe also the tone independently for each pickup. That's correct. um, Which would be a total studio thing. So you could switch back and forth and have, like, the bridge rolled off, you know? Yep. Um, and not have the neck rolled off, which which is a good, uh, you know, I mean, it's a it's a cool feature. Yep. Um, but what this guitar won't do is the coil tap, right? I mean, that's because the he's, SE might. Well, that's what I'm. I, that's what I'm wondering <laughs> is if they're going to go with conventional electronics in the SE. The more, I, con- the more conventional might. electronics. The SE might be a little more conventional in its control layout. Okay. In that it may have coil taps um, for that sweet um, single coil inspired sound. Yeah. Um, I'm not reading anything when I say that. <laughs> I keep <laughs> looking over this. Please close, close whatever you have open. So that we could do this uh, with a straight face. Yeah. I, I yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Hold on. Let me close this. Oh, there it is. Oh, wait. I'm supposed to be looking over here and closing it. Oh, yeah. That, there. Oh, yeah. 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 That's closed now. All right. Um, and it may or may not have a mahogany um, body, uh, violin carve. Uh, can we, and- can we, can we, can we talk about this for a second? Yeah. So who is this model for? Because like, all right, all right, yeah. let's let's just back up. Tremonti yeah, SE exactly. makes sense, right? Yep. He's a player that yep. a lot of people envy. Um and and I think this leads into a bigger topic discussion of like PRS's direction. And then yep. the Robin Ford, or not Robin Ford, um, John Mayer, right? Yep. Huge. Makes sense, right? Let's make yep. an SE. Absolutely, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Here's where they don't make sense. Zach David Myers. Grissom. Zach Myers. Oh yeah. David Grissom. Um, I know that these people are huge supporters of the PRS company and yep. that David Grissom has been with the company a long time. I know that most of the people that are playing David Grissom models that I've met or have, you know, interacted with on the internet, yep. most of them don't know who David Grissom even is. Yep. I don't have a ton of information on who David Grissom is. I know he's a session cat, the studio guy from the eighties. And I know that I gotta be people like his guitar. Okay. I've got to be completely honest with you. I have only known David Grissom from his time with uh, one musician. So when he was side manning for one musician on a tour or multiple tours, so I got to be honest with you. Outside of that, no. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with our audience. This at the core level makes a lot of sense because yep. this is a deep player with some very deep ideas for the instrument. And if you want it, you should pay. Um, but that so what I'm gonna what I'm about to say is gonna be really strange. But the reason that this guitar is being brought to the SE line is because people who don't know who David Grissom are have been asking right. for this to happen. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of messed up. It's really weird. Um, Which means what PRS should have done, because by the way, why the reason why people like the DGT is the pickups. So PRS should have 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the pickup side of this conversation for a second. Sold those pickups for a pretty penny. Uh, sell them for the price of the SE. Uh, USA pickups for the price of the SE. I'm serious. Yep. Now, now let me give it. Let me give you a little background information here. TCI pickups from Paul Reed Smith right now. If you're to go buy this set, are five hundred dollars. Sell the David Grissom pickups for eight hundred bucks. Yep. And Make them the price of a silver sky. People will buy them. I mean, right. it, it'll sell like hotcakes. And quite yep. frankly, then you don't have to, to to pretend that this this guitar that you're bringing out is anything special. It's right. like it's giving people exactly what they want because that's what people want. They've been asking for it. That's a, Paul Reed Smith. Like the whole thing has been, I'm not going to offer these pickups as a, you know, as a, uh, an extra option. They're unique to this guitar. Now we're going to talk about somebody else because this guy got a guitar about two, three months ago. And my understanding is they are going to sell these pickups, which is bonkers because these are way more specific than what the DJT's got in it. Okay. The DG, the DGT. I keep saying J because I'm slurring. I'm not drunk. Right. I promise. Um, I don't drink. So that, that would be a hell of a trick. Um, yep. All right. So the Robin Ford limited edition McCarty. Now, let me stop yep. and let me just stop and preface this. It's fucking black. What were they thinking? I mean, I don't see. I, I just I, I just don't get that part of it. I, I mean, that's Robin Ford's decision. And Vernon Reed also did a black model, right? He did a black yep. Vela, uh, mm-hmm. as well as an Egyptian gold Vela, which is gorgeous, by the way. Yep. Um, but they developed pickups for the Robin Ford guitar to give him the famous PAF sounds that he's accustomed to. Um, and these pickups are, I've heard the clips, they're very different than what PRS normally does for pickups. Uh, these are low output humbucker monster pickups. Um, and they split real well too. Um, these are magic pickups, right? This, the, uh, guitar itself, they're only going to make 200 of them, but they're going to sell the pickups. And I think that is wild, but I would also say, I think we're going to get a Robin Ford McCarty. On down the road. It's not going to be right away. I think what this is PRS admitting is that they're starting to realize the artist model guitars do better at a SE price point than they do the core level. Okay. Yeah, it's tough. The The DGT, the cheapest one, and I say cheap, uh, is $4,000. And that's the one that has moon inlays and a relatively plain if you want which is cheaper than the silver sky for sure or more expensive than the silver sky for sure yeah if you want the better looking one it's 43 bottom of the barrel so and grissom grissom what's funny is if you look at the old pictures you were you referred to when he was early i don't know a lot of people don't know this prs didn't start with the bird pickups started with the dots and the moons and then they went to birds so i mean the inlays not the pickups the inlays i'm sorry you're right and so when they went to the the 
um, birds, he actually had the moons on his early one. So the um, the moons and the um, and the gold top is really the if you wanted to get his signature, which most people don't, like you said, most people don't care. They they wouldn't know David Grissom if he was in front of him at line at Kroger, right? Um, it, Some people might, just, but I mean, like, the vast majority yeah. of his, pro- unless you're, like, really into the genres and stuff he was doing as studio work, we, you probably right. don't know who he is. And that's why it's kind of funny. Um, it would not be something that, that anybody cares about. They want what they want to see, which I would think would be bir- birds on the on the inlays. You know what I mean? I, I would think that because that screams PRS where the moons don't really do that. Okay, they just let look me, like weird dots. Let me let me let me put this out there in the universe. Core model, specifically listed on their website in the core level, so it means it's in the core tier of their business. Guitars. Yep. You look at the DGT with with no with oh. artist attached. Yeah, DGT, Mark Tremonti, yep. yep, Paul Reed Smith, the Paul's guitar, yep, which I would argue cool. is is. Basically the same thing. Yep. Robin Ford and Santana yep. Retro. The Santana Retro. Santana Retro. The reason... Are. Yeah, it's a great looking guitar. But the reason why I say this is because those are the same names that have been in that, that line for years. John Mayer does not even have a core anymore. He has a bolt-on, which is now seen as a lower yeah. tier. That's and right. Mark Letary has... A bolt-on, a bolt-on. Which is, right? Which I we don't think in the next lineup we're going to see the Mark Letary, uh SE. It's coming. I think we're going to see a lot of artist guitars coming out in that SE line, just because from the think think of it this way. Um, if you are a professional level guitar player, maybe you don't care mm-hmm. whose name is on the headstock or whatever. And like whose signature it is or whatever. Um, and most of them probably don't. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're a consumer. And you're really into somebody. The market's going to be a lot smaller. When you're producing $4,000 signature models for these people. Than if you could. Yep. Then you could do signature models for them. On the back. Right. So like I'm going to still make these guitars. We're going to make them incredibly limited runs like the Robin Ford, um, which I don't know that they're not going to actually do a long-term Robin Ford model, but the first run is limited right. to 200. Um, right. I'm just thinking of this from this perspective. Maybe right. they're looking at this as a, we'll do the, we'll do the real ones as a real small limited run thing. So we don't have to mo- like mess up production for the stuff. That's like our bread and butter for the, for the core line. And then we'll make a, whole slew of imports that are really really high quality because their imports are uh, let's face it they're great um imports that are cut that are uh um artist models Mm -hmm. i I personally i think it'd be a really smart business move for them i you know i was thinking about what you just said the fact is that the prs silver sky which is which is one of their most popular, obviously, or probably their most popular of the I would, say, I would say it's, yeah, the, of the SEs, that is definitely the most popular right now. That is probably 
the hardest guitar for places to keep in stock. Yeah. I mean, I, I just looked because I, I, I figured while we were talking about this, Sweetwater has none. More on the way, all four colors. Well, the, and the, the core Silver Sky was super popular when it first came out, and that quickly yeah. tailed off. Yep. And I think it's because a lot of the people that would be into that guitar already had guitars that sort of do does what it does. Right. And right. like the, the, I mean, they sort of have that. Let, the, don't get me wrong. They sold a shit ton of those guitars. Oh, yeah. But the reality is when you're at that price point, you right. don't sell you're as talking. many. You just don't sell as many. Yeah. I mean, when we, when we first talked about those 2018, when we first came out, those were in the, 2000 2200 category mm -hmm. 27 and change now right mm -hmm. oh <clears throat> so that's that's not a cheap guitar especially for a bolt-on um and now we look at the prs se which uh the silver side se i gotta be honest with it that, that there's mine right there that, that's a great guitar i mean <laughs> so <laughs> let me ask you this yeah have we already seen this trend? Because we have. Fender's doing it right now. Mm -hmm. Almost all of the Fender artist models are, especially the newer ones that are coming, like the, the Chrissy Hind and stuff. They're yep, made in Mexico. They're made in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's just a, a reality of people who want artist guitars are better, or well, the market is there at that price point. It is more there right. than it is at the four thousand dollar price point. Better and that's serve there. Look at look at all the Joe Bonamassa signature stuff coming out of Epiphone. Every year gets a new one. Epiphone, and every year and, they sell out of it. And the target market for those guitars is not people eighteen to thirty five. It's thirty five to sixty five. That's right. So keep that in mind, like. They they have sort of figured it out too, but they haven't been able to implement it across the line probably because some artists are like, I'm not playing a fucking Epiphone. I don't want my name attached to Epiphone, which I get it. Um, we don't see that over in Fenderland because Fender has a USA import line, right? Yep. So it's a little bit different on the Gibson side of things. But, but I right. think you're going to see more of this trend. Ibanez doesn't do this right now. But then again... Yeah. All of Ibanez's really expensive stuff comes from Japan. So now, I do have to say this about Gibson, though, which they've done smartly. I'm not going to say that they've done everything smartly. The the when they do an artist model at the at the higher price points, what do they do? They really limit it. I mean, lately they well, you're talking about them. you're talking about custom shop level at that point because they don't right. do artist models in Gibson really. With the not, exception not, of the slash model. Yeah, not a right. lot. Right. With the exception of the slash model and the Tony Iommi. And they just, you know, it's they funny. Did, they, they did just, the Angus Young for a while. but Yep. And the Angus Young has gone. Um, and they're doing the, uh, what's the one that's um, guided with the silver burst from Tool. Uh, Adam Jones. Yeah. Adam Jones. So Adam Jones is also getting a... Uh, regular standard model but the truth of the matter is most of their artist models are very small uh runs in the you know sub thousand uh category and put up at the at the high high price point we're talking about ten thousand dollars the jerry contrails yeah now a jerry contrail is 
is going to come out um, in the core line at some point. Yeah. But the point well, the point I'm making is they don't really. But where did it come first? It came at the S or the the SE. Yeah. It came at the Epiphone line. The Epiphones are out there with the Jerry Cantrells. And as a matter of fact, they're doing the um, the tool one. Uh, I think it's really cool. They've got the limited artwork and they're doing limited numbers at Epiphone prices. Epiphone people. I think that's really cool. I, I think that's a that's a neat thing that they're doing. But the point is, that's a good guitar because that is going to be a wall hanging. You do want people to see that. I don't know if you saw the back of that thing, but it looks really cool. I kind of, after I saw it, I was like, shit, I did want one. But I didn't think I wanted one until I saw that. The bees, the girl with the bees in the hair. <clears throat> well, you know, wanting off. one doesn't mean you actually should buy one. Right, right. But it would be a collector's piece and it would just sit on the wall backwards. Yeah, that's, that's what's funny. What do you that's mean? such a great yeah. idea to buy another guitar, Jim, as a collector's piece. Yeah, I know. That's, what I does that sound enough. like? <laughs> what does that sound like? That sounds like a collector's piece. I don't have enough. No, I, and that's why I didn't get it. Um, no, you, know, you didn't get it because you didn't know about it until after the fact. I got an opportunity. I turned it down. I, I just, uh, the point is that that is a guitar that, that for collectors and for people that want to, that is a guitar that's a little more reasonable to right. do that with. Um, but like you said, I think it's smart. I think the SE line is smart. I think the SE, look, the Tremonti SE must sell like hotcakes too. Um, um, yeah, it's, I think at one point they said that it was their their best selling model, um, yeah. but I but now they've got a lot of other models. I'm sure the Silver Sky is outselling the Tremonti. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure of it. If it, as long as they can produce it fast enough, they get it right out the door. People love that guitar, and there's good reason. It's yeah. well made. You got to give you got to give PRS credit at the SE level. Very well made guitars. Um, Moving but, on. I, but I do think I do think we're going to see this trend. And I don't know if this is that this PR is changing direction. Like, obviously, that's me selling the show, right? Um, right, but, right. But in actuality, like, it makes sense for them to do that, to say, uh, yep. we're going to produce, uh, let's say Vernon Reed wants another signature guitar, right? Right. So they make them another run of Vela's. And then to launch a Vela SE line with the Vernon Reed signature, you know, V V-shaped neck and all that. Yep. It makes sense for them to do that. Like instead yep. of making trying to make all the money up on the core side, which they'll make a little bit. I mean, every one of those Robin Ford 200 guitars, I'm sure is gone. Um, I'm sure they were gone before they hit dealers. But realistically, like. I don't know if they've done a, a, a 5000 guitar run of those over, you know, like the next two years, if they'd sold them all, you know, right. like not in the same way if they made it like a regular line. So what they better be do, what they would be better off doing is saying, this is a limited run. We're only doing 200 and then we're going to launch an SC line next year. Right. Um, and you'll see that this is actually happening. If you, if you start seeing companies do that specifically, when they launch a guitar, they say doing 200 USA. And then in six months, you can expect the SC. Um, yep. If we see the um, Mark Letary, come into the SE line, which I think is, I, I, I'd say it's 50-50. I think the, that's pretty clear indicator that, that PRS has realized the market for these signature guitars is definitely at a lower price point than yeah. the $2,500 per, 
price level. Try 2500 and up. Because, I mean, all of those signatures I read off in the core line, those are $4,000 plus guitars. Not a one of them is under 4000 bucks. Yep. Um, yep. With the exception of the of the Silver Sky. That's not core. one of the ones and I read off. Core. That's not a core. That's not a core. Bolt on. That's right. Every bolt-on is well over $4,000. Some of them in the $5,000 category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, here I, here's another thing I want to point out. This is something that occurred to me about PRS Line. I just want to talk about this before we switch, we switch to the next topic. The hollow bodies, right? I've never seen an artist endorsement for those. I know there are artists that play them. Um, there, there's a couple of very specific people that like love those guitars. I remember the guy in Incubus, Mike Isinger. He was big on a hollow body. Um, and I just kind of think it's funny that like those don't have a, don't have a celebrity endorser. I mean, we've got, we've got some McCarty endorse endorsement guitars. We have custom 24, you know, single cut endorsements. We have the Santana, which is like its own thing. Um, but we don't have Santana. That's completely different feel, but we don't have a hollow body two endorsement guitar. And uh, I wonder if that's something that might come in the future, not yeah. from a specific artist that you'd like for Steve coming. Right, right. And obviously, the um, John Mayer had that that Eagle guitar, the Modern Eagle or whatever. Yeah, the Modern Eagle, which was even at that time, I think the Modern Eagle. Geez, that was a long time ago, and that was what five or six thousand dollars at that time, and that's got to be ten years or more now. Yeah, that would have I mean, been it would be about about seven or eight thousand dollars if it was done today. Yeah. And the J mod is still out there, the amplifier. Some of the because mm-hmm. that was like a limited run amp too. Yep. But you can still find J mods at dealers because they were so expensive that yeah, no one they just didn't sell them out. Yep. Um I'm checking uh... I think I I think they're actually done with that. That um thing we've been talking about prs a lot on the show lately i want to i want to say something um it's not because i bought a ce it's because they're the big third company now yeah. i mean fender gibson and it used to be ibanez in my mind but ibanez has not been on top for quite some time they've been sort of chasing uh something and um i feel like ibanez is starting to make a turnaround it's got some really good artist endorsements they're starting to make some really interesting stuff yeah. Uh, Ivan has just came out with um, who's the guy that said the Boomer Benz thing? He has a new signature coming out. There's some people that have some buzz on that. I could give two shits. I think the guy's a jerk. He's a decent player, but I think he's kind of a jerk publicly. Who's um, that? The uh, what's his name? The um, it's the kid that the kid that was talking about Boomer Benz. Oh, I do not like it. Polyph- periphery, uh, periphery. Yeah, well, it's it's um, Tim, Tim Henson. Yeah. Now, I, I, let me just preface. I, Tim Henson's a fine guitar player. Yeah. Um, I, I just it's not my don't, bag, but yeah. Anybody who goes out and just, sl- again, remember the beginning of the episode where I made my apology? Anybody who goes out and slams other people for what they do on the guitar, shut up. Right. Just shut up. Right. Like, no one cares. Um, as long as they can play, like, yep. Tim Henson can play. I'm not going to talk shit about Tim Henson's playing. Oh, hell no. Uh, no more than I would talk about anybody else. But, nope. um, I just preface that with like, if you're a jerk, you're a jerk. I mean, he seems to be okay yep. now. He he came out and 
basically apologized for being kind of narrow-minded. And I, I, honestly, he deserves to be able to apologize and people can accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done the same. Um, and I would expect <laughs> the same courtesy. But I just like, I don't know. I, there's not a lot about his music that really excites me. And I don't really right. think there's anything spe- um, super specific or special about like his gear that excites me. Uh, but I know some people are getting really excited over that guitar. The, the right. new, it's just like a silver looking RG, I think. Uh, let's see, Tim Henson model. I just wanted to talk about it briefly because I want to acknowledge some of the other stuff that's who, coming up. Who out is his, who's got the signature? Guitar for Tim Henson. Yes, I easily oh, yeah, yeah. is. And then they also have that nylon string that they're doing for him too, which is interesting. It's uh, the TOD-10 is the model that they just announced. Silver with like Tree of Life, white pickups. Uh, It's basically a cross between... eh, I think it actually is more like an AZ than an RG. Looks more like a... um, It's an AZ. It's it's kind of a cross between uh, uh, AZ and a... um, Oh, what's a gem? (laughs) Yeah, well, it has... I think it has active pickups in it too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If this is your bag, I'll tell you this. I went out with my um, <laughs> I went out with my Fishman guitar the other night, mm-hmm. and I plugged my cable in right before I went on stage, and it yep. the battery was flashing red, and I was like, "Am I going to get through this?" Um, it's not flashing red anymore. I don't know whether my battery was dying or whether it's fine. So fuck it. <laughs> I'm gonna charge it up. Not worry about. It. You um, made it. Yeah. Apparently, so. But uh, I just sent I, you a message. <clears throat> that's a problem that we don't need to deal with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Where'd you send me the message at? Uh, Discord. Oh. I'm glad you sent me something. Okay. Uh, let's uh, let's take a few minutes and then we'll come back. Yeah. So so Jim is still uh he's still on this health break here for a little bit, but I, I just want to talk a little bit more about this liveness because we, we were sort of talking about it on the sidelines while we were on our break. Um so this this Todd 10, right, which is the um yep. the uh Tim Henson model. It's uh silver guitar, it has silver tree of life inlay, white pickups, uh silver hardware. Uh it's an AZ, so kind of like a strat, has a, a big bake make uh, Roasted maple, sorry, neck. Roast. And it has, um, you know, uh, the Fishman Fluence pickup system uh, with two humbuckers. And so uh, I don't think it has a seven-way. It has a five-way. Um, and then I think it has a voicing switch as well. Right. Um, which is the tone pot. You push it, I think. It's a, it's a push-pull thing. Anyway, so, so something like that. I don't know if it's a push push or what whatever the deal is. Right, right. Um but uh and it does have a Goto T1502 which makes it more desirable than a lot of the AZ models because the the Goto bridge is what they sort of knocked off in their yep. design. Um but the the Fishman Fluence pickup is fine. Okay, whatever. Um but here's where things get fun, right? So like they weren't really even having fun when they were writing the description for this shit. Because the American basswood body, it's just American basswood body. The American basswood body delivers a natural and flat tone. And what I told Jim was like, that's really what people want. You know, a, yeah, flat, a flat tone. tone. Really? Yeah. I mean, 
I get it. I know what the thought process is. We're putting these fluence pickups in it, and they're active, like EMGs, and so it'll be best yep. to put them in basswood because then they'll take on their full, you know, sonic characters. That's not even how Fishman fluence pickups are supposed to work. So maybe he's got a different design. I don't know because these are his specific model of Fishman fluence. Um, but I just, I don't know. This just, I it's hard for me to get excited about this guitar, not because of Tim Hansen. It just, it's bland. It's kind of boring. I mean, it's a typical super strat with Fishman Fluence pickups, 24 frets, 24 and three quarter or 25 and a half inch scale, rather. Um, nothing really particularly exciting about this ebony fretboard and what they call the tree of death inlay. Um, oh, who is this guy? Tim Henson, the guy yeah. from Polythia. Um, I don't know. Uh, we were just talking sort of, we're reflecting on his playing style and I wanted to share something before. And this is actually why I wanted to bring us back in on this conversation. Uh, for, for people like Tim Henson, right? Like I, if you like Tim Henson, great. No, no, no problem with that. Um, I think he's an incredibly talented guitar player. I think he's so talented that he's doing something that's not really going to leave a, a, a huge mark on the guitar community. Uh, case in point, um, Tosin Abasi's out there, right? And uh, mm -hmm. Tosin Abasi has really invented a new way of approaching the guitar. But do you think everybody's going to be playing like Tosin Abasi in 10 years? I mean, ask yourself the question. And then I'm going to say a name that you may or may not be familiar with. They had sort of a similar kind of reaction to people from people in the 1980s. And that's Stanley Jordan. Okay. Two-hand touch guitarist Stanley Jordan. And everybody was like, oh, my God, he can play melody and lead at the same time. He can play it like a piano. And it was like this whole thing. And everybody thought for, for like 10 seconds that, you know, he was the future of electric guitar. Because everybody was going to pick up and adopt that style. It was obviously a natural progression from people like Van Halen, even though he was doing it long before, um, I guess, in clubs and stuff. Um, but it didn't take off that way. and. He also was not the first person to do it. And the same is true of both Tim Henson and because uh, Tim Henson, like a lot of the playing techniques and style, uh, his guitar playing comes from like some really extreme metal stuff. Um, and I know that the production makes it seem like it's this modern dubstep hybrid with, you know, metal and all that. But but that's the production. What he's actually doing with the instrument, it's been done before. Same thing with Tosin. I mean, there's been people that do the the slap guitar and think of things rhythmically like that. Now, I would say that that Tosin is definitely probably the most extreme variant of that I've ever seen. But this is not, he's not the first dude to be doing that. Um, So, you know, I, I just caution people when you like, when you look at a new player, and you see them doing some new technique, and it's it's ninety percent of their style, which I, I Tim Henson really hasn't. I don't think he's actually invented a technique. Um, I don't know that he's actually developed any real specific. I'm sure there are specific techniques that that guy uses that like other people don't do. Um, but like you don't look at a, somebody who's based their style on technique like that and go, they are going to reinvent guitar because I can tell you in ten years, not everybody's going to be a Tim Henson clone. 
And not everybody's going to be a Tosin Abasi clone. Uh, now, you can look to people in the past. There was a time period right after Jimi Hendrix's death for about 10 years where everybody wanted to be Jimi Hendrix. Jim, you were alive yeah. in the 1980s, uh, really in the 19, late 1970s. Uh, I remember Sharon Osbourne actually in, a, in an interview uh, suggesting that the reason they hired Randy Rhodes was because he wasn't a Hendrix clone. In other words, everybody they auditioned was a Hendrix clone, and he wasn't. And so he stood out like a sore thumb, and they liked it. Yep. Um, you know, that's that. That's all I'm saying. So when I see a guitar like this, I go, this is very deeply reflective of a style of music that is very specific to the individual player. Like Tim Henson also is known for his, like, very individualistic way that he dresses and appears um, in public. and. I feel that this is a reflection on that, right? And I don't know that this necessarily fits everybody else's everybody else's aesthetic. Now, when we were talking about PRS a minute ago, we were talking about models, signature models, right? And we were talking about pricing. It is interesting that Ibanez really doesn't have monstrously expensive signature models. Not they really, are still yeah. sort of following the old method. So let's, I'm just going to pull them up real quick just to say that they're kind of bucking that. I think the gem is the most expensive signature model, really. Um, and well, yeah, the, one the, of the JS1000 uh, is expensive too, I believe. Um, yeah, and one of the, um, uh, yeah, so the, the Tim Henson is 1500. Oh, it's the, uh, it's not the, it's the, what is it? The peak. The TOD, TOD, no, oh, you're talking about Ibanez Pia? That's 3500 Yeah. And one of Satch's guitars is really expensive. One. The uh, Joe Satriani electric guitar in gold boy finish is $5,800. Yeah. $5,800. Making it one of the most expensive Ibanez's ever produced. Yep. Um, but other than but, that one. Yeah, like, here's Yvette Young. Her signature model is $1,100. Um, yep. Nita Strauss, 800 bucks. Um, Scott LePage, yeah, 1500 Like, yeah. if you go down through the list, like, most of their signature models are not super pricey. The George yeah, Benson... a more expensive model, but it's still 1500 or 1600 something like that. So they are, so they are bucking the trend. Like, yeah. they're trying to get their signature models down in price. Yeah. Uh, Nita Strauss does have a $3,000 signature model, but yeah. the one that they, that most people buy is the, you know, the inexpensive yeah. one. Is the, right. Um, and, you know, for the person who has everything, you can get an Ibanez RGM S8, which is, unless you're playing metal, is about as ridiculous as having a 12-string guitar for a whopping six ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's cool. Yeah. I like the new color of the Pia, the, the electric blue or blue powder. This is the one I was looking for, by the way, the uh, Josh Smith Flat 5, which, yep. is a pretty, which is a pretty interesting instrument. 2500 bucks. Yeah. He's their he's their John Mayer in my opinion. That's right. I was going to say that like, puts him right in line with a John Mayer. Right. So, not that he's you know at the same level of player in terms of popularity, but he is certainly right. a guy that commands that kind of price point. Um, yeah. From and and demands that of his instrument, I guess. Uh, Martin Miller right. actually is a, is a strange one. Internet sensation Martin Miller, but I know he's also a professional player outside of that. His his yep. signature is twenty eight hundred. That's interesting, not in a bad way, just interesting that Martin Miller has a signature. 
He's a he's a really good player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, okay. I mean he's, um, and I think it's a good thing I, I, that he's got a signature. I just think well, Ibanez has a very very deep signature roster. So like if you're yeah. involved in Ibanez AR, you get a signature model. Like it's yeah. not they're not like um, other companies where they'll flow you guitars that, at a reduced rate at several yep. tiers before you get to the point where they're like, okay, let's talk let's talk deal. You know, um, yep. Their 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 AR package seems to be very like they might have a couple of levels, but you get a signature model pretty fast because they have yeah. a lot of people that I have never heard of on their roster. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. I mean, if I wasn't deep in the YouTube communities, I never would have heard of Mark or uh, the Miller guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So all right, let's uh, let's skip over the next topic. So yeah. now we're talking about. Let me set this up. There's a fire. Your oh. house is burning down. Oh, um, boy. here we go. This, this got okay. So, you, this call me, tough for so me. you run out of the house, right? You've got Drogon with you. Your son's already yep. standing in the yard because he got yep. out faster than you are because he's younger than you. So he can out. He's younger. And he, and he lives at the front of the house. I live yeah. So, so, so you're standing in front of your house and you're watching the place burn down. You're like, oh my God, all my fucking guitars. All my fucking guitars. Yep. And you're like, yep. you're starting to freak out and you're thinking about your homeowners and policy or whatever. And there's a, there's a, um, uh, the 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 firefighter, as they as they pull up, there's a firefighter running into your house. He's like, "Is there anyone inside?" And you're like, "No." And he's like, "Is there anything inside? I can bring one thing out, one yep. thing. I know this is completely insane. I can bring you one thing out of your house, one guitar, because I because I know I've seen you in a club. I've seen you play before, Jim. I can bring one guitar out of your house. Which one would it be, and why? Oh God." This is so hard. It it really is. I I have that firefighter should have had two hands. No. Um, well, the other one had the the axe that could cut the door down. Got it. Yeah, he's got to He's got to slam the door down. This is a this is a metal door. Um, it really is. Uh, God. You know, I thought it was going to be easy because you you you. I knew this was coming. If yeah. Folks yeah they, don't whole episode I, in the back in the back of his mind, he's like, "God damn it, I hate him." Yeah. Son of a bitch. Um, all right. So see the logical side of me wants to say my Amber Les Paul. I mean, that is the one that is the one, but the, but there's another side where he says, no, I want the three, three, five. That is the one. And they're both versatile. And I'm going to give, I'm going to have to go, even though the three, three, five is It's got to be the Les Paul. <laughs> he's he's still doubting himself as he says this. He's like, God damn it! Like it's yeah, got. I, is it, I, is it? I love that guitar. I can do a whole night on that guitar, and I've done a whole night on that guitar. It's uh-huh. it's so hard, but see, this one is irreplaceable for one reason and one reason only. See that top? I can't find that top. I'm not gonna get that top. And it is my Les Paul. It is my number one Les Paul. It is the one I play the most when it comes to the guitar that I do all night long at a gig. That's the one I usually play if I play one guitar all night long. That's the one. And, you know, you would think it would be the custom or it would be the, you know, the, you know, something else. But no, it is my Les Paul 
that is actually my cheapest Les Paul. Of all the Les Pauls I have, it's the one I spent the least amount of money on. It is a factory bastard, right? And it's one of the early Gibson transfer guitar. You know, it's one of a kind, going. though. It's one of a kind. You can't say that. And I can't. That's right. And I can't. I could, with the insurance money, I could replace these. I can't replace that one the way it is. And my slash runs a, a hard second to that because of the damn color scheme that nobody else wanted. It hung on a on the thing for two years. Nobody liked that color. I love that color. And now everybody sees it and goes, man, that is such a cool guitar because it it lived in obscurity. Um, it was one of those, oh, this was in the guitar store that nobody saw. Um, because luckily it was Guitar Center and you don't see pictures of the guitar. So unless you go into that Guitar Center and you're looking for that slash model, you're not going to see it. Um, so I would have to say it's that guitar. That's the one. All right. So if I had to do this, yep. now I could be, I could be a total dick. And yep. honestly, I thought about saying this it was just like, fuck it. Let him burn. Yeah. Because honestly, like, all right. I've had good moments with every guitar I own. Right. The red, yep. uh, PRS is hanging next to me. is 35th anniversary model S2. Yep. Um, I use that to record the CP. Mm -hmm. Um, I have the new, the CE, the, the one I just got mm -hmm. green, whatever. It's, it's fantastic guitar. It's nice. Beautiful. Um, yeah. the PRS is, I don't care about in terms of that because I know I can go get another PRS. Right. All right. And I know it's going to be it will reasonably be... consistent. That's right. Consistent. Um, consistently great, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, to the point where people don't like them because they're so good, which you can hear Thomas Blug talk about that. He says, I, I owned a PRS. I had a very expensive one. And he said, I didn't like it because it was too perfect. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> it didn't have any character. Like, yeah, guys, basically. Uh, and my, of course, I told my wife that story and she laughed. She said, you know, I've got to be real. She's like, why would you want something that's going to make it harder for you to do things? And I'm like, you're not wrong, you know. Um, but I'll share. I did a rehearsal this weekend um, for the band that I actually left. Uh, right. I'm, I'm playing with Old Stumpy on a per pay basis. So okay. when I'm getting paid, I'm playing with them. When I'm not getting paid, I'm probably not playing with them. Um, which it's going to be a wild gig. We're doing... Dude, I got the set list. I got to learn like nine songs. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Maybe maybe more than that. Um, but uh, it's going to be an interesting. But I went to the gig or I went to the rehearsal. I took my barefaced cab. I took my amp mm -hmm. one and I took my guitar and a cable. That was it. Actually, the cable and, and a speaker cable and, you know, wall plug. That was it. I had everything I needed in my gig bag. Um, and they, I pulled up and I go, where's, where's your amp? You know, and I'm like, it's in my bag. Like what? And I pull this thing, you know, hundred watt thing out and I'm just like, plug it in. But, but that's, that's just all aside, right? Like, so when you start, when you start talking about pedal board amps, it goes, they sound like crap. That white Stratocaster I have with Fishman pickups through that amp on the neck position. I hit it once and I was like, 
Fuck me, that sounds good. Kyle, the band leader, turns to me and says, holy shit, that is the best sound I've ever heard you make. <laughs> and I go, pretty damn good. And he goes, that sounds really good. He's like, you're bringing that, right? And I said, yeah, I'm bringing that. And I've had that same experience at Open Jam. That guitar, that amp one, that cabinet. There's something about it. Um, it is this interesting mix of like the Hendrix thing, the SRV thing. Um, and then when I go to the bridge pickup, it just screams. It screams like Josh Smith, right? Um, and that's without the, uh, I have the Chula Boost. And I don't even have that. I didn't even have that with me. And it just, it just did that thing. And I was, I just sat there. I was just kind of floored. I never hit the boost on the guitar, you know, like just bridge pickup, neck pickup all day long. And it sounded fucking great. Nothing I could do yep. to damage it. Now, here's the reason why I think that's probably the guitar I would tell the guy to save. Cause I think it would just be a roll of dice and how I'm feeling that day. To be honest with you. Um, I would actually probably, as I said, I'd probably just say Limber. Um, it's not worth, my guitars are not worth somebody risking their life for them. Right. Uh, and, and that would make me feel incredibly guilty to even suggest that. But if I had to, I'd say right. grab the white strat because that was my first real guitar. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's the only one that I've had for 20 years. It is the it's only one that plays like that now and it still fucking sounds good i put those pickups in it i put that neck on it and it's ready to rock for another 25 years i, I i'm just being completely honest it is a dog shit body it is a dog shit body it's got a line down the middle of it you can see it when it's hanging on the wall from where the, mm -hmm. the wood is kind of going yeah doing this but it is there is something special about that guitar and i don't know what it is and I, I i i so i had good time to do all the work right and i was there with pat the other day and i was picking up my prs from its first setup and i'm talking to him and i go that the ce and i'm talking to him and i you know we're talking about setups and stuff and actually almost became a topic for the show but i'm but I, if we're going to do that pat's going to be on the show because because he could shed some light on some things that that happened uh, as a result of him being a store owner and doing setups for people and stuff but um yep. i mentioned to him that I didn't like strats. I was never a strat. I was not a fan of vintage strats. I did not like strat single coil pickups. I played them because they were cheap and I could afford them. And yep. I was like, I got used to them. And over time, like I sort of made little incremental changes to make them not like strats anymore. So like, and that was the dumbest. First off, for anybody listening to this show, that's the dumbest fucking thing you can do is to take a guitar and try to make it something it's not. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just absolutely stupid. You're, you're just beating yourself mercilessly for no reason to do that. Um, yep. I, I, you run into people who put Les Paul pickups and strats and they go, mouse sounds like a Les Paul. No, it doesn't. Stop it. Um, it doesn't play like a Les Paul either. So like, that's a whole other ball of wax. And because of that, you're never going to play that guitar like a Les Paul. And therefore it does not sound right. like a Les Paul. Um, yep. it, that's a whole other functional argument. Yep. But my point is this guitar is 
I brought it home. I got the pickups installed in it. I put the neck pickup on in the store. I was like, eh, it's okay. Put the bridge pickup on. Yeah, that sounds really good. The bridge pickup's great. Humbucker, right? Uh, sounds great. It's Fishman humbucker. Neck pickup. Yeah, it's typical Strat neck pickup. No big deal. Just a Strat mm -hmm. neck pickup. And actually, quite frankly, that's kind of how I feel about single coil neck pickups. But I rely on that. So mm -hmm. I took the guitar home and I live with it. And and when I was there at the shop the day that I that I first got it, Pat told me, he said, that guitar is like a little screamer. There's something special about it. And I brought it home and uh, I've had it for several months. I've taken it out, done a lot of stuff with it. It's got 24 inch, 24 and three quarter inch scale neck. So it's, you know, not the typical thing. I'm sitting there talking to Pat the other day and he goes, are you talking about that white strat? He, and with as many guitars go through that store, he yep. remembers that guitar. Yep. And I said, yeah. And he said, that thing is fucking killer, man. He's like, I really like that guitar. Yeah. And hearing that from somebody who handles guitars all day long, you you yep. got to realize, and a guy that's played, you know, professionally and everything else, you got to realize that means something, you know? Yeah. And for me, like, I always knew it. Like in the back of my head, because even when I was playing as a kid, everybody who played that guitar was like, I really like that guitar. I really like the guitar. You ever consider selling that? I've had I've had offers, a couple offers um, with mm -hmm. the old neck, which is actually on this thing up here. And um, I always said, no, it's like that's my main guitar. And I did like it. I was very, very fond of it. But it was mm -hmm. a relationship thing. It wasn't that I thought it was good. Yeah. And as it got older, I played other strats and I realized like that was the one I compared a lot of stuff to. Yep. Mostly because it was the one I had the longest, right? But now I'm starting to realize like there is something special about that one specifically. Something about the body. It's maybe a piece of shit. It it's a reject. Like it should it's it's a throwback yep. for sure. And it's been beat the hell. I man, it was the greatest feeling. I went to the I went to open jam the other night. I was throwing fucking cables on top of that guitar. I just didn't give a shit. Like I was like, ah, screw it. <laughs> if it gets damaged, it gets damaged. Yep. But that that is, you know, I haven't had um the the Les Paul as long as you've had that strat, obviously not nearly. But the fact of the matter is that it is the one that when I put it in the case, I mean, the case is the only case that has stickers on it. Yeah. It's the only guitar that I have personalized. Okay. It is the one guitar. That has when you look at the back, it doesn't look like a smooth glide. That there's some scratching and some rubbing, and um, and when you look at the neck, you can see where I play. That is the guitar that gets the the love and attention, so to speak, the most. Yeah, I'll tell you. Similar to what you just said, I was playing a gig, and uh, the guys in the band. Um, we're all doing, getting ready to do sound check. I plugged my custom into the Tumnus into the Marshall, and they and I hit. We were doing uh, uh, for a sound check. We did uh, um, for my vocal. We did um, "Hurt So Good" by uh, John Mellencamp. And I hit that, and then when I hit that the second time, they said, "Hey, man." What are you doing right now? And I said, that's, that's, you know, this guitar to this pedal to this. They said, that's it. That's you. That's the sound. That is the sound. So 
it is funny that sometimes it finds you. Uh, everybody loves it when I play that guitar. I don't take it to gigs as often because that's, a, that's an expensive guitar. I, I do play it out. I have played it out and I will play it out. But that's not the one that I play all the time. That's the, that is second in line or third in line. I actually play this one more than any other. Um, so recently I've been playing the Slash. Try to get that dialed mm -hmm. in. Keep tweaking it, dialing it, tweaking it out. Um, but I always go back to that. And so it's it's just one of those things where um I I think that there's a there's a special it, it's not a bond of of emotion because just like my lizard, my lizard does not care about me. My lizard hates <laughs> my guts. Okay. It it hates my guts. It does not care about me whatsoever. <laughs> I, I put a tree in there, a new tree for her. I spent all this money on a new tree. I'm the one that puts bugs in there. I'm the one that makes sure. She, and she does not care. When I when I went to take her out of that cage and I put my hand in there, she went to bite me. <laughs> Get away from me. You're a freaking human being. Um, there is, the, the, the guitar doesn't care about me. I know that. I know it doesn't give a shit. And it just is what it is, so to speak. I hate that saying, but that's probably the most, it's probably right in this case. But there is nothing for me that in my heart replaces the feel I get when I play that one versus any of the others. And, and I, I, just like anybody else, I'm always like, oh, come on, there's got to be something. No, there's not. There's just not something better. Well, it's like an old pair of socks. There is, <laughs> there is one dark horse in my argument, which I went on that uh -huh. whole tirade about the white strap, but yep. the, S, the S500 means a lot to me. Yeah. Because, yeah. and I've told that story on the show before, because of, yeah. because of the circumstances, uh, my guitar teacher had one just like it. And I wanted one mm -hmm. forever. And I finally, I got enough money that I ordered one USA. And that was the first time I'd ever ordered anything like that. It was an expensive mm -hmm. purchase for me. And when yeah. I got it, it was so fucking good. And it's still so fucking good. So I don't, I just don't know. I mean, like, honestly, I can sit here and pretend like, I would save that That's one or the exactly. other one, but it's like you get down to those questions, and it's like, dude, in the heat of the moment, who knows, right? Who knows? I I probably would would shout out three three five. No, let's fall. No. <laughs> That's why I said like, just let them burn. I if it's meant if I was meant to have them, then they then they wouldn't. Uh, the house wouldn't have burnt down. We're we're you having know? an interest. We're having an interesting conversation because last week Dylan talks tone. You know, Dylan and I talk. Yeah, and. Dylan Talks Town was talking about how, because he's selling his collection, almost every guitar. And he goes, yeah, I don't have a single guitar I'm attached to. He goes, I don't get attached to that stuff. And he said, I don't care. Every one of them could get replaced. But they all don't mean anything to me, as far as that goes. And um, I said to him, I said, you know, I wish I could have, and he told me, you know, on the, um, Decide that was a hot take thing for him to say to get people to kind of react. But um, when he said that, I started to think because I'm I'm a logical guy like he is. I'm I'm not as emotional, and so I thought to myself because I'm not emotionally attached to this computer or this desk or this chair. Yeah, I don't or, have a ton of emotional you know, attachment to my instruments either. The ones I my, have an emotional attachment to stick around. That, right, that's basically. Right. You know, yeah, that's yeah. basically what it'll come down to. And so I'm, I'm not, I'm not emotionally 
connected to these Funko Pops or none of this. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself as I sit here, because my wife is emotionally attached to like a desk. There's a desk she yeah. loves. Her, her grandmother left her this desk and this chair. But but yeah, but so some like, of that is attached as it is a an attachment right. to something that happened. It, right. It's, right. It's a throughput. Like if maybe if my yeah. father had given me this place, Paul would be different. But I said to him, I said, you know, he was talking about ah, the, any of these could be replaced. I said to him, I said, you know what? I, I wish I could tell you that my my collection could be replaced, that everything I have, and I'll call it a collection, um, could be replaced. But I'm like, I couldn't replace my ES-335 because I was working Guitar Center at the time. Now the prices have gone up and I'm not working Guitar Center. And even even with the price, I, I couldn't afford to buy it again. Um, I couldn't afford to buy my white. Uh, Les Paul again because the prices have gone up. So now the used guitar prices have followed in suit. Um, the we already talked about my Les Paul here. My my um, slash Les Paul has got a weird color underneath the the thing. So when you see it in the light, you see it in person, you go, "That's weird." But that's what I like about it. And that's it's not. So the slash, if it was. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to wish anything bad on myself, but if I dropped it and snapped my neck or whatever, and I, well, that sucks. Um, but I, I look at those three and I go, that, that's, that is really the, the ones I could buy. I, I know for a fact I could buy another PRS SE like that and it would be just the same. It would be just as good. No worse. No you, know what? you know what? This honestly. I can say without a doubt it'd be the fen or be the uh the strat I, the white strat I was talking about. And the reason yep. is one of a kind. Mm -hmm. I made that. Right. Like I had somebody put it together for me, but I made that. And right. I can't say that even my S five hundred, it's not the guitar that my instructor had. I right. can go to the custom shop at GNL and spend three grand and have them make and me get and probably get right. one in nitro. So get it yeah. like it what they were in the you know the early nineties with a thinner well, he got a thinner uh, polyurethane, you right. know. Um. So I mean, there's that, yeah. and, and I think it would, it's a really hard, uh, difficult position to be in, to say that okay, like if it uh, let's be a little more realistic. Let's say financial hardship. Yeah, you sell everything to pay your bills. I sell them all but one. Which one are you going to sell? That would be, that would be the one, the part that would be the hardest. That would be the the thing that would hit the the most right in the right in the kisser, power in the kisser, so to speak. So I and in, and like I said, in that case, it would be a real hard decision to make. It would still be necessary, but at least it's more realistic. The old desert island thing and all that other crap. I'm like, no. Something happens, you 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 know, you have to put your mom in hospice or you have but to pe people have had this situation that Jim is describing happen. I mean, yeah. um, I know people who have actually sold all of their stuff and yep. literally been been guitarless for a while. I know so. people that during the pandemic, we both do. Mm -hmm. And that that's heartbreaking. They were selling mm -hmm. guitars to pay the bills. Yep. Yeah. Um, or they weren't going to eat. They weren't going to have heat. They weren't going to have a roof over their head. So, okay, let's let's okay. get let's get more positive. Let's talk gig reports. Yeah. Jim, do you want to talk right. about your gig report first, or do you have one? Or I honestly, you know what? <clears throat> I didn't have a gig this weekend. We have a gig coming up the the thirty first. 
but I'm a little heartbroken over what's going to happen. So my co-guitarist, Joe, is leaving the band. And he made the announcement the other day. Um, by the time this drops, it'll be public knowledge. Um, and I'm heartbroken because he and I have a connection um, musically. Or at least I have a connection with him musically. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't speak for him. You know? Right, right, right. And I, I told him, I said, I'm going to be heartbroken. He goes, Jim, I don't want to leave, but he's got a, he's got a baby coming. And um, he and the wife, you know, obviously. Um, and there's a, there's a lot coming up. Um, and he's got a lot that he's got to get done. It's too much on his plate to continue to play with the band. And I said, I, I appreciate that. I respect it. And he goes, hopefully in a few months or, or a year, I can come back and if there's a place open for me. And um, I said, yeah. I would hope. I said, so what, what we're going to do is, and this is the, this is the other side of it. This is the other heartbreaking side of it. I have to sit down and learn all of his parts for as many of the songs as I can get so that I can then pick them up. He goes, he goes, Jim, you know, cause he, he was saying to me, I said, man, you are so good at blah, blah, blah. And you're so good at blah, blah. He goes, Jim, you know what, you know what your problem is? And I said, what's that? He goes, you don't think you're good at anything. He goes, you, you do fine. You do better at the songs you know than I do. He goes, you just, you have your style and I have my style. My style fits Leonard Skinner and that type of thing. Your style fits the pop and the, and the other sensibilities. And I said, and we both hate the song Paralyzer, right? And he goes, yes, we both hate the song Paralyzer. <laughs> so. <laughs> what a way to bond. We, the lead singer loves singing it and we hate playing it. <laughs> hate playing it. That said, we do it every time. We do it like professionals and we don't, you know. But we always, if he goes, what song should we get get out of the set list? We play Paralyzer. Get Paralyzer. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a needle. He's like, ah, I'm going to put it back in. Um, so uh, maybe we should find another song we hate. But anyway, so the point is, he said, Jim, you, you play a lot of these songs better than I do. And he goes, because you, that's your ballywick. And so... He made me feel good about myself, but, you know, I have utmost respect for him. And so I, that was really nice of him to say. I don't think he realized how much that really meant to me. That's my gig report. All right. I am not looking forward to my next gig because I know I'm going to cry at the end of it. Okay, go ahead. My gig report's fun because I'm going to talk about the, uh, I'm going to talk about the uh, live stream. Okay. So Jim, you were there. Uh, I was there. You were there in spirit. I was there with, with a, a dozen, a, people. Yeah, dozen other people. Uh, we had about, I think we had 80 people go through over the course of the hour. We were live. We played um, eight songs, seven songs, um, two new ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, so let me explain how this all worked out for the band side of things. So uh, we go out to this place, this guy's house, and we go into his basement. We're there at 6.30. We don't go on until 8.30. Um, so we get there at 6.30. We do a sound check. Start setting up our gear. Do sound check. We play basically half the set during sound check. And we get our headphone mix on and stuff. And then we get a 15 to 20 minute break before before showtime. And uh, so here's here's the fun. Okay. Drummer shows up. Um, so the, our arrangement with our drummer, uh, this is not a secret. We, I can share this with our listeners. 
is that we don't pay as much money as if he doesn't bring his drums. So they have a house drum kit, which isn't bad. And he's going to use the house drum kit. So he comes in actually about 20 minutes before showtime. I think it was not 20, it was about an hour and 20 minutes. So before he's left, we get a, uh, or not showtime, but, uh, uh, you know, the sound check. Uh, I, I get a, I get a text message that, that's going to the group saying, Hey, Jerry, you might want to bring your symbols. The symbols here suck. Um, so Jerry comes in. And they're like, did you bring your symbols? And he goes, no, I'm going to use your symbols. And so <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, so you didn't ask us because we would have paid you to bring your symbols, number one. Number two is you don't really want to put your best foot forward. This is kind of the way it's going through my head, right? You don't want to put your best foot forward for us, which suggests that you don't think, you know, we're worth it. But then it dawns on me, he doesn't care because he's looking at it and going, I can make your shit symbol sound good. It doesn't matter. And uh, I will tell you, he made it, their shit sim symbols sound good. In fact, if you watch the video, he literally puts a stick right through the fucking China because it's already cracked and he cracked it in half. It was done after the show. Um, and he wasn't hitting it that hard, but he hit it in just the right way. And it went, his stick, he goes, ding, 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 whoosh. <laughs> right through it um and i i've seen people do that numerous times over the years but in this particular instance it was quite quite comical because he was not playing it hard and he made it sound good even when it was cracked okay when they took this thing off the thing was basically like a, a wedge shape came out of it um so uh but but he made the symbols work which i which i was fucking really impressed with. that's what you got to do yeah um and actually the snare drum was another thing so he the the uh one of the guys brings in the snare drum. It's this brand new snare drum. It's like a 14-inch steel snare drum, like you know, mm -hmm. big, big mama. Puts it on there. This thing sounds like shit. And it's he's you know tuning it, trying to get it to sound good and everything. And then uh basically the the guy that runs the venue comes over and he says, Jerry, he says, that snare just sucks. Just let let's hear. Try this one. Jerry wants a big snare, and, and rightfully so, right? We're playing rock music. And right. he hands him, like, it's not a piccolo, but it's like a small wooden oh, snare. Yeah. And he plays a little bit on it, and he goes, trust me. He's like, that thing's going to sound good. And Jerry plays it for a minute. He goes, yeah, it's better than the other one. Yeah. Um, so he said, he said, fine. And mm -hmm. um, so we do our sound check. So what happens is, first, we play a song, right? Everybody's got the same headphone mix. We're all listening to basically what the left and right output is going to be for the the, the show audience. And then he yep. comes over and he and he gives us the breakdown of how we're plugged in to the system. And we have the mm -hmm. little Behringer headphone mixer. So you go in there and you can yep. set your monitor mix. Um, my monitor mix, so I'll describe for you, was basically a little bit of drums. I had, which he told us most people don't put any drums. I had, because you're in a room with the drums, right? I had the drums set at like two out of 10, maybe three out mm -hmm. of 10. I had the guitars set about 50%. I had the bass set about 50%. Okay. Um, and during the course of the show, I actually turned my guitars up a little bit because they weren't loud enough in my ears because uh, I was standing next to drums. So 
Tony uh, explains after we finish the sound check that he literally cannot hear his bass. So we walk over and we inspect Tony's monitor mix and we find that his bass is set to 10. Okay. It is all the way the fuck up. And he can hear it. It's there. It's in his mix. I hear him playing, you know, and I'm listening to the headphones. And I'm like, weird. He couldn't hear it. And I think it's just because um, this is something I'd never realized, but I think bass players sometimes feel their bass more than they hear it. And uh, for him, that was a bit of a challenge for this whole thing. And I think also uh, Jerry um, was having some issues hearing uh, Tony's bass as well, but not the same kinds of issues. Because Jerry and I compared notes, and it's so funny because we literally had the same monitor mix. Like, shot for shot. It was identical. Um, which was hilarious, because it's like, why would that be? But it's just, we hear things the same way, I guess. Um, and yeah. we listen for the same things in the music. So, um, and But bear in mind, he's got his own in-ears with, with five drivers or seven drivers, and I'm just using a pair of cans. So, right. Um, showtime comes, we start playing. It's not a train wreck. I'm definitely having some struggles. I can tell, um, Jerry's having some struggles and I can tell that Tony's also having some struggles. So we get through this whole yeah. set and, uh, it went pretty well. I got to say, I yeah. was really scared to be playing two new songs without mm -hmm. recording them first. They're like still basically in writing, but, yeah. uh, they, the reaction to those was extremely strong. Um, mm -hmm. our mix engineer was there. Uh, Gordon Gidluck from Gidluck Mastering um, was also in uh, the the online audience. Um, John actually came out. I was our mastering engineer or our mixing engineer, and actually like was on the live stream because he was there in person. And um, it was I would just want to say I was like so glad that he was there because he he was a, a silent partner in this, um, and has been very very supportive of a lot of our ideas and our process. And uh, I think he's looking forward to working with us again. I think we're probably going to end up working with him again. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so the show was a big success. We walk out of the venue and like we had, we had 230 uh, listens, whether they hate mm -hmm. listens or whatever, within yeah. the first couple of days. I don't know where Not we're important. sitting right now. We're probably, we're probably rapidly approaching 300 at this point, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, for a small venue like this, for a small local band, that was yep. literally playing their first live performance outside of an open jam. Right. Um, it's pretty good. Well, I yeah. I would say we, we did a really good job promoting the goddamn thing. And uh, yeah. I want to thank everybody in our listenership who showed up. And if you didn't, you can check out the show destiny yep. unraveled on YouTube. Look for destiny unraveled live and you'll find it at the bunker and you can watch the show um, after the fact. It's fun. You get to see my new green PRS CE, which everybody has seemed to be like in love with that thing. And you get to see me make a complete ass out of myself uh, for which it was, you know, worth apologizing at the beginning of this episode. Yep. But uh, yeah. Yeah, you did well. Just in terms of upcoming gigs, like we got I'm doing the old stumpy thing on the 30th at Rookies here mm -hmm. in the Roselle. So if anybody local wants to come out and see that, that's where you got to be. Uh, I would caution you that this is not the kind of show that like what destiny unraveled puts on what we put no. on at destiny unraveled is like its own thing. It's a rock show for sure. 
and uh, we treat it as such. Whereas this will be more like bar band kind of stuff. Yep. Um, although it will be decidedly more rock showish this time. Um, we're going to be doing. Uh, I got to look at the set list right here. You'll be. Uh, we'll be playing Soul Shine. We'll be playing. Um, all along the Watchtower will be in the set this time. This is the first time we've ever played that with this band. Um, so lots of new music in this set list. There's music from Taj Mahal in here. Uh, really? Yeah, we're playing uh, a Taj Mahal song, and then we're playing some old favorites too. There's some there's some stuff in here that we've played before, but it's clear that um, we have some new songs we're adding to the set list. So you did do seven songs. I'm looking at the thing. Yeah. So you did seven songs. I, you know, as I was watching, um, because there was about a dozen of us in the in the place, and so we're all sitting. It's a big table, and I should have taken a picture. There's a big table of us sitting, and I've got my iPad sitting on one end (laughs) of the table. And that's how we 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 heard it. I had my little life jacket, Bluetooth speaker, yeah, on the thing, and nobody told us to turn it down or shut it off or I, that's too loud. Please don't, you know. People enjoyed it, so it was a uh, um, it was a good time and uh, really enjoyable. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad people enjoyed it. I've had a lot of good yeah. reaction to it. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and be like, "Holy shit, I didn't know you guys were doing this." Um, yep. Somebody I know from several years ago reached out to me and was like, man, he's like, you guys have really got something going here. Um, yep. Yeah. We're still, we're still building a thing and we're still working through some of the challenges. Uh, obviously we're three musicians. Uh, we all have differing, differing uh, talents. So some of us are better at yep. some things than others. Um, there may be some, some uh, changes by the time we get to the next DP in terms of like how we're delivering our message. And I won't go too yep. much into that, but, um, we're, we're, we had a meeting the other day and actually like, it was really positive and, um, came away with some new direction for how we're going to be trying to deliver things. Um, right. we have, you know, pretty concrete marketing strategy at this point to get our name out there and hopefully get some more gigs lined up. And I think, yeah. I think it's going to be a good year for that band. Um, yeah. so we'll see. And then, uh, you know, of course I always have the potential for another solo project. And um, I may or may not have been thinking about that more recently and it has nothing to do with the band. It's just, um, yeah, there's some things that I I don't think I want to do in the band that I think that I want to do. And I'm kind of thinking maybe it's time to start sketching some of those ideas out. So anyway, I, I think we're wrapping up, right? I mean, you got nothing else to share. You got anything to plug before we go? All right. No, uh, nothing to plug. I wish I did. I wish uh, I wish there was some plugs I had going on. Uh, maybe hair plugs, the way my hair's been going. Jesus. Um, but uh, no, um, nothing. I'm getting a haircut next week. It's terribly. I'm going, dude, look at this. I'm going on. Here. Where 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 are we at now? I have not cut my hair since November of 2019. Yeah. I wish I could say the same. Um but I'm going short this time. I'm going to see what happens. Sick and tired of having to wear a hat every time I um, uh, don't want to, you know, comb my hair out for something. And I get hat head. Oh, this, definitely, then, this definitely is work. 
Yeah. The fact that I have to that's use a blow dryer, that's work. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I don't like using a blow dryer. I, I use a I have a blow dryer for my dog and certain other projects and no not for this. <laughs> yeah, um, just use a heat gun. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it that's really what it is. It's a heat gun. With the dog, it's it's on low. It's just blowing him to get the hair out. Um he's a short haired dog, but he's certainly uh a good dog. Um but yeah. All right. Anyway. Well, I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been Practical Guitarists.